need to get into the isolation area. Okay. Good. <laughs> That's a favor? I sometimes favors hurt. Really? See what you can do. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. I'm your host, Jason Dubray. And today we're going to be taking on two of the 1980s action movie giants, Arnold Schwarzenegger versus Sylvester Stallone. And this is the uh, second time in the history of the show that I've, my first time actually talking to and meeting somebody as a guest. I have Matt Bledsoe, who is the host of the Film Feast podcast, and is also a, a regular guest on several other podcasts and a very, very busy guy. So Matt, thank you so much for uh, being on the show. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. That was a very nice intro. I appreciate it. Um, yes, I'm happy to be here. This is a fun idea. And I'm excited to talk all these movies with you. So it should be fun. <laughs> yeah, probably wondering like why randomly some dude in Canada was contacting you. <laughs> I have a, a buddy, there's only a few of us who do movie podcasts uh, where I live, a buddy named Larry Parsons. He does a show called Rank and Review. I don't know if you've listened to that one. I have heard of that one, yeah, because uh, Daniel Epler, my friend, has been on that show. So I have heard of that one. <laughs> Daniel was on there, and I started listening to Cobwebs. And I think it was the first time you were a guest on Cobwebs. I, I listened and just sounded like we might have similar tastes. Like you kind of have a, an appreciation for 90s movies in particular. So so then I reached out to you, and I think at that time it was you recorded that. You were thinking about getting the podcast going. And by the time I caught up to it, you were probably a few months in. So I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm listening to it. I'm really enjoying it. I, I've only started listening to the ones from 2021 with your favorite five list and uh, i forget the name of your uh your friend who's a regular guest on there oh my buddy uh, ken walker yeah, yeah ken, I'm not, th that's the one i'm listening to right now is his his five favorites oh, okay so, yeah so i'm excited to talk about these and it really sounds like you're an action movie fan i am i definitely am it's funny because uh i think that was like my first love uh as a kid was action movies uh because my dad i always tell a story showed me movies i probably should not have seen like Terminator and Predator and Aliens and RoboCop. Uh, and then I kind of thought I was more of a horror guy for the past, like, I don't know, decade or so. But like, it's funny, it's a good timing on this too, because I've been super into like an action movie phase for most of this year so far, 2021, where mm -hmm. I feel like I've just been binging action movies. All I want to watch is action movies. So good timing on this one. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's good because you want it to be something that you, and especially when I'm asking you to, to watch six movies, it's a little bit different than the format of your show where I, I like that it's something different every time. A little bit more freedom in, in, in your format from, from show to show. So here's where I'm coming from with Schwarzenegger and Stallone. I, again, I hadn't thought about it until I started looking at this while watching these movies. And I've been watching some of their other work recently too. If I was to say who the better actor is, I would say it's Sylvester Stallone. But between the two, I get more excited to see Schwarzenegger movies. So that's kind of the paradox that I'm working with here. And I, I, I want to get your take on that if you maybe have a different opinion or or if it's a similar type of thing. No, funny enough, actually pretty similar to you, uh, where I, I'm more of a Schwarzenegger guy and I always have been probably because of stuff like Terminator 2 and Last Action Hero as a kid. And I feel like he's kind of the bigger personality almost. And he's, I think he has better comedic timing than Stallone. <laughs> I think he's better doing comedy than Stallone. But I think yeah. Stallone is the better actor. And especially in one of these movies to talk about where Stallone really gets to show off his acting ability. Because yeah. um, I feel like he went through a period, he started off, he's, you know, he's kind of 
regarded as a pretty good actor and he kind of becomes like a joke for a little bit and then he kind of comes back around to people respecting him as an actor again so um no i think he is the better actor overall um but i've always been kind of more of a schwarzenegger guy overall funny enough so yeah so it, it, i think it's gonna be fairly similar but it was interesting how many times when i'm, I'm making the negative notes on some of these movies I, i'm complaining about something with schwarzenegger's acting and <laughs> in some ways i think i have a note with one of his older movies that we're reviewing saying how is it that he was better then than he is now at delivering lines I, I, I don't know if that stint as governor kind of affected things or what. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> the movies that we're going to be reviewing, we found a just kind of a variety from 80s and 90s in the 21st century. We're going to start off with a big one, James Cameron's The Terminator, which it's a movie I think that really solidified Schwarzenegger as a star. And then we're going to jump to the 90s, 1995, with Stallone in Judge Dredd. Then we're going to take a look at two movies that they both appear in, The Expendables 2, Back for War. And then we're going to take a look at Escape Plan, uh, a movie where they both had uh, a lot more screen time and it was kind of a quasi heat where they got to star in a movie together after many many years then we're going to jump to again the, the movie you alluded to where short where uh, stallone got a chance to uh, show off his acting a little bit more in a movie called copland and then we're going to end off with another 80s sci-fi horror action classic predator so thank you so much for doing this anything else you'd like to say about uh, schwarzenegger and stallone before we get started uh not much i mean i do i still love them both uh two of my favorite movie stars even though sometimes uh <laughs> they are not always in great movies and they aren't always great but i just love them as personalities basically at this point so um yeah i, I just i really i always enjoy watching them even if the movie's not great honestly <laughs> yeah me too actually i just uh there's something i don't know if it's nostalgia or what even with when it's current ones just uh if i'm in the right mood i will i will be happy to watch it even if it's seemingly an awful movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> In the 21st century, a weapon will be invented like no other. This weapon will be powerful, versatile, and indestructible. It can't be reasoned with. It can't be bargained with. It will feel no pity, no remorse, no pain, no fear. It will have only one purpose. To return to the present and prevent the future. This weapon will be called the Terminator. You're dead, honey. What day is it? The date? 12th, May, Thursday. What year? Assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. Why does it want me? Why me? Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. 
your future is in its hands. Unfortunately, the last time I reviewed a James Cameron movie, my guest Polly Esser and I, her in particular, uh, really ripped apart Avatar. I, I, I like it enough, but it was, it was personal with her. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad to go back to uh, James Cameron's roots here as a starving uh, filmmaker, writer, director. He wrote The Terminator and then The Fates Aligned. He was pretty insistent that he be the director of it and found the right producer to fight for that. They ended up at Orion Pictures and made The Terminator. I'm not sure if, you know, it got, until Terminator 2 showed up, I'm not sure the Terminator was as recognized, but it is a very, very good film set uh, back from a dystopian 2029 so we're only a few years away from this happening where cold machines have conquered the entire world and goes to 1984 los angeles where a cyber assassin known as the terminator played by arnold schwarzenegger commences his deadly mission to kill humankind's most important woman the unsuspecting sarah connor however from the same war-torn post-apocalyptic future comes a battle-scarred defender kyle reese a brave soldier of the human resistance army bent on stopping the cyberkinetic killer from eliminating the world's last hope. The Terminator has no feelings, he doesn't sleep, and above all, he won't stop until he carries out his grim task. What I like from the beginning about this, and again, it was before Arnold Schwarzenegger had the image of being an action hero, is that he gets to play a villain, and he plays a villain very well in this this movie. And I think, you know, sometimes if there's a complaint about James Cameron, it's his writing, particularly his dialogue. I don't find it, I'm not sure if I autocorrect for the Terminator, I don't find it as much of an issue in this movie, and maybe it's because of the style of the film, but it works really well. He does a lot of very intelligent things, and the more you read up on it, the details of his screenplay are actually kind of extraordinary. I mean, you might argue that it's one of his best, I wouldn't say his best screenplay, but definitely one of his best. To start off, the gate. I mean, he was doing kind of these B movies before this, and for him to you know jump in and establish himself in uh, 1984 as a action writer director, and from this to get Aliens after this, which was an enormous gig, which then was basically a blank check for him for the rest of his career. It's pretty extraordinary. So it's not a perfect film, but I would definitely, for those who love the Terminator movies and are a Schwarzenegger fan and a James Cameron fan, people should check out the Terminator if they haven't. What do you think about it? I- I love the Terminator. I think it is one of the best action sci-fi movies ever made. It's an amazing science fiction concept. Like it's just a brilliant concept. I, it's a good point about James Cameron. I feel like dialogue writing and dialogue specifically are his weak points, but he's an amazing concept guy. He's an amazing idea guy. And I feel like he has these big ideas. Sometimes he can't get quite down to the <laughs> the little details of, you know, writing dialogue, but his ideas are so good. I feel like we can forgive all that. So yes. Terminator is pretty incredible. It is interesting to go back and watch it now because I don't remember the last time Arnold even played a straight up villain because uh, he he, he want to play heroes mostly. I think for after this, that's what happened with Terminator too. He's like, I want to play the good guy this time. So um, it's he's so good at this though because he has to be so robot like. You know, he has to be so emotionless and do this very specific thing that he's doing really well. I feel like uh, I think we'll make a joke like that. He's a wooden actor 
actor anyway, so this is per- perfect for him. But I think this is actually a tough thing to do, really, to, to complete the whole time. You have to be very, like, cold and, you know, not showing emotion. And he's scary in this. He, it's almost, I've heard people describe this as, like, a borderline, like, a slasher movie because he <laughs> is just going around, you know, killing people very coldly. And there's some scenes that are almost, like, horror. Like, when he kills um, Sarah Connor's friend and her boyfriend in the apartment uh, is kind of a scary scene. And it's, like, the scene where he's coming from in the club is an amazing scene. Uh, Sarah Connor, yeah. when he's coming at her, is so good. Um, the way that it's done and I'm just talking about how much I love this movie but it's like I, I have so much to say because I, I love it so much I'm curious about you though were you I don't know if it's different now or when you were younger I was more of a Terminator 2 guy than a Terminator guy yeah. and I feel like there's like, people are different sides of that argument now and like uh, I've come much more around a Terminator I still like T2 like slightly more but I think Terminator is an amazing movie <laughs> I think and it's, it's almost a reverse because if, I feel like we're in an age of nostalgia for 80s 90s and uh, obviously for a while for uh, for 70s movies where we're wanting to see less of the computer effects and more of the practical effects and this was all pretty much practical effects what well, was all practical effects for the Terminator and Terminator 2 started to like was a big jump in the computer effects that we are now looking at even though some things were practical in Terminator 2 that looked like they were computer effects which was amazing mm-hmm. i feel like terminator 2 is just slightly crisper they had more of a budget this was like an independent horror sci-fi movie that did way better than it was expected to do and so there's i mean there's probably a thousand movies in the 1980s that came out with this sort of formula but because of schwarzenegger and linda hamilton maybe more so in the second one but linda hamilton and you know cameron uh, all the sort of uh the stars align for a, a much better movie than maybe they were expecting that they were going to create and achieve i did hear that was it was basically the skeleton for a slasher movie before all the science fiction stuff started to be added in when james cameron had some sort of a a dream where the term appeared and (laughs) it's after he was he was trying to battle to he'd been fired from directing a movie and he was trying to get in on the editing of it or something and he had no money and a lot of things weighing on his mind and he had some sort of a nightmare where this character came to life and then he started to develop a a screenplay and i think he story was he was he was driving truck and just at night he would he would kept writing it and and working on it so yeah anyway that's a long-winded way of saying that i prefer terminator 2 this looks a little bit sharper i I think they they upped the stakes as far as the story it became so much more complicated and again that flip-flopping of Schwarzenegger from being the Terminator being a, a villain to a hero and then Linda Hamilton again as Sarah Connor having to deal with that I also think in the second one they took Sarah Connor and like there were elements of elements of this in the third act of the Terminator where she was starting to become a little bit tougher but nothing compared to when we get to T2 where she became this great female action hero almost on par with Ripley and that wasn't as as evident in the Terminator as it is in Terminator 2 so those are the points I'd give to Terminator 2 over the Terminator but still I I think you know other than a couple of effects that don't look terribly good there's one point like the mask or whatever they were using for Schwarzenegger's face for this one effect looks super fake Um, oh yeah (laughs) you know the shot I'm talking about but that's that's kind of one shot I mean the stuff that they were they were doing at that time with pretty much no money to do it is is pretty extraordinary I would say yeah. yeah, I mean, you look at the idea they're trying to do on the budget. I think they had like six million dollars around there, and to to which is not like a small sum of money, especially in nineteen eighty four. But to do this concept with six million dollars is pretty crazy. And I looked up the T two budget, and it was a hundred and two million dollars. Yeah. So it it got huge compared to the first one. So a uh, much much bigger budget. Um, but they. 
you know, they pulled off the best. It's kind of amazed what they pulled off for $6 million, honestly, for Terminator well, 1. Yeah, if they had $100 million plus budget in 1984, wow, I, it, it might be a closer <laughs> competition between the two. I think, you know, Terminator, the Terminators may be a bit more successful in the as being a horror mm-hmm. uh, yeah. movie. The Terminator 2 is a bit more of an action science fiction film. Yeah, as you said, like Schwarzenegger looks scary in this movie. And to think of like the, you know, he's kindergarten cop or you put <laughs> jump into that context. I mean, as far as you, you never really have Schwarzenegger disappear into a role. You're always aware it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, but for us to be the same guy that we laugh and cheer for, for us to still look back at the Terminator and be frightened by the same man. I mean, it, it says that there is something, there, there is something with Schwarzenegger with which is it's hard, hard to explain. I mean, he's he, he's not Gary Oldman here. He's not like, you know, a chameleon. But for what he does, he's excellent. And he actually, I mean, uh, there is a bit of an argument. Uh, have you seen Maggie? I've never seen Maggie, actually. Check out Maggie. I mean, that that's probably kind of like we're talking about Copland with, I don't own Maggie, but I saw it uh, one time. We're talking about Copland with Stallone getting a chance to, to act a bit. Maggie is one, even though it is still a genre film where Schwarzenegger does get to sort of he's not the action star he's an ordinary guy be worth checking out just to sort of compare his action movie persona to his ability to act because i I think he can act and so i guess it it doesn't bother me as much i i we're going to be talking about an actor in a later movie or i just have a baggage with i guess as far as um, (laughs) a few other folks to talk about well let's start off with linda hamilton what did you think of her in this first chapter. Oh, she's wonderful. She's so good. Uh, it's it, it's funny because uh, you talked about a little bit the jump from where she's at in one to two, and it's like a huge leap. I remember talking to my stepdad about this a while ago, like about how he likes Terminator one over two because he, like, for some reason, he he has a really hard time with like the the jump she makes from one to two. He thinks it's like unbelievable how she becomes a two. I'm like, well, she really went through some shit, you know what I mean? So, and she's been training for years and all this stuff. Like, I buy it. I buy the transformation to her in two. But but yeah, I, I think she's really good in this. She's extremely uh, sympathetic, which you need for what yep. she's going through. You could see why Kyle Reese would fall in love with her very quickly, I think. Yep. <laughs> she's she's good on a lot of fronts. Like uh, a character you can empathize with. Uh, she seems very sweet. She's like wholesome, but she is a fighter, which I think is becomes clearer in the sequels and a survivor, basically. So yeah, she's really good in this and it's pretty crucial to making the whole thing work, really. I think so. And she has to go through a different arc in both movies then then Schwarzenegger as an actor has to kind of do the one thing but he's a robot and it's tough to do that too that you know convey feelings without actually feeling anything and just being mm-hmm. submitted to the mission in both but she, she's really almost like our our the person that we're following in 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 the series because we're we're trying to make sense of how all this can happen in this extraordinary situation I, I do like and it's an appropriate amount of time what they say about it is 11 years chronologically from the first movie to the second movie yeah, and a lot of stuff happens to her in between because in this short stint of time that this movie takes place, like she goes through a lot and she changes a lot. So she has to go through more different beats in, uh, throughout the series, but particularly in the first two. So I liked her a lot. Several other actors who show up, young, young, young Bill Paxton. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's the punk leader. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was probably the first time that he worked with James Cameron and they worked together on a, a lot of films. It's just one of those faces that you'll see early on in the movie and go, oh, he's in this. Oh, yeah. he looks so young. <laughs> 
They all look really young. And uh, Paul Winfield, another good character actor, uh, plays one of the, the detectives looking into this. Lance Hendrickson, who's basically a, a legend in genre cinema. One of my criticisms is Lance Hendrickson doesn't have a whole lot to do. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's a police officer. Like He's a decent police officer. It's a larger, it's not like a walk-on role, but he's just basically one of the people lined up for the slaughter of the Terminator. So I just think he, I, maybe they just, at 84 they didn't know that he could he could do a lot more than uh, than what he was necessarily being asked for what do you think about michael bean playing kyle reese uh, I like him a lot. I always feel like I'm happy to see that guy pop up in anything. I like him kind of more in what he does in Aliens, but uh, I really like him in this. He has that, he's got to do the thing, well, it's come up a lot on my show recently, about a guy who <laughs> is on like the verge of like a breakdown, I feel like, because, which is a tough, he's constantly like, you know, he's frantic from minute one, which understandably so, and he's paranoid and he's just kind of like on edge. And he's the one that has to deliver all the kind of uh, exposition That's stuff, it. which is always tough for someone to do because, um, you kind of burn with the exposition, exposition dump dialogue, as I call it. We just kind of have to give everybody the whole thing. But um, I do love that Cameron basically makes Michael Bean do the exposition dump while there's a car chase happening, which is kind of a brilliant idea. It's like he talk, he tells a lot about what's going on while there's action happening, which is nice. He's not just sitting down like in a room. He does that sometimes. But there's a lot told while he's doing the car chase, which is a smart move because it kind of keeps it more engaging that way. But no, Michael Bean's really good. It's like scrappy. He always feels like he's not like a he's not your standard action hero because he's not like like some big buff guy but he just seems very like scrappy if like you're not fight with him he would like he would like be clawing and biting you or something you know it's like even if he's like not the bigger guy or not the best fighter but yeah i like michael bean he's like a like a welcome presence i feel like yeah i, I always love seeing that guy in in movies and i, I guess I don't, I, I don't completely know the history. I think there were some personal problems later on, and that's when he kind of disappeared. He, he feels like a guy who should show up in one of these Expendables movies or or, or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I like him, and I think it, it, was, it was he had a good connection with Cameron. He was another guy that's kind of part of James Cameron's company of actors. I, this is another like plus with, with Cameron's screenplay. That's a really smart way of including exposition, because if you have a character who's an exposition machine, as my friend Larry calls it, <laughs> then to have it during this this crucial chase i mean that's when people would talk about stuff like what else are you going to do like make small talk in the car so it it uses that time effectively as opposed to him delivering some sort of melodramatic monologue uh with a bunch of people sitting around listening and gathering this information i i don't notice it as a, a plot gimmick as much i, I like him he just uh, was never he, he's Certainly not as as interesting as some of the other characters, particularly Schwarzenegger and Lyndall Hamilton. But he he is crucial. I mean, there's there's no no other movies beyond this if uh, if it wasn't for him. Which again, some people might debate that's good or bad. I don't know. Certainly, the <laughs> second one, I I couldn't live without Terminator too. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like we're both very positive. If you had a criticism of what would it be? More on the negative side. It to me, I like. I like the more action-heavy approach of two. So I feel like this one has some slower moments that I'm not as into. That's like really my only knock. Like if Terminator 2 is like a perfect 10 to me, Terminator is like a 9 out of 10. You know, it's it's uh, just, just uh, it's just small things. It's like just kind of the slower, the smaller scale, little bit, little bit slower pace. It's not like it's a boring movie by any means. But yeah, just like, th that's my criticism, I guess. It's a little slower for me. I prefer the more fast-paced action approach of two. I think if to showing this to younger people i think they might be thrown off by the the 80s style it was very 80s yeah <laughs> intrigued and attracted by it or thrown off i mean it is very 80s but that particular portion is set in 1984 and that's 
how things looked. So it, it works really well. So it's not as much. And then they, again, the budget that they had, they couldn't do the special effects that they, that they could do later on. And then I just said that really picky one about it. I would have liked to see a little bit more for Lance Hendrickson to do in the movie, but uh, it, it is a strong movie and it's, it's going to be getting quite a few points from me and it sounds like it'll be getting quite a few points from you. As well. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> When there is crime in society, there is no justice. As a city, we continue to grow. 73 citizen riots. Come and get us! Throw your weapons and prepare to be judged! Judge this! Court's adjourned. Ready? You're a legend. You were my finest student. Get Dread! <laughs> Dread! Dread! You're under arrest. What's the charge? Murder. The evidence has been falsified! Guilty as charged. I am the law! I am the law! You are chaos. The sentence shall be... Life imprisonment. I'm the chaos. Dread? <laughs> Excuse me, we're not together. It's not for this council to play God. But who says politics is boring? We continue on with science fiction with Stallone's first movie that we're talking about, uh, 1995's Judge Dredd, and in the year 2139, so there's still a little bit of time before this will happen, uh, Earth has changed into a virtually uninhabitable place called the Cursed Earth. All the Earth's population have crowded into the cities across the planet, now known as megacities. <clears throat> the crimes of these megacities become so violent and so powerful that the regular justice system is powerless to contain them, then it's eventually collapsed. However, a new justice system came from the ashes. There were three justice systems and one police, jury, and executioner. They were all called judges. Maggie City 1, uh, which is formerly New York City, is what they want to say it is. It doesn't look really like New York City, even... <laughs> A set, but in uh, in this movie, but uh, there was a judge named jo Joseph Dredd, who was the toughest and most stringent judge in history. Shockingly enough, played by uh, Sylvester Stallone. One day, he's charged with murder and is tried and sentenced to life in prison because of it, which is bad news because he's pretty much put most of the prisoners into jail. And that's the setup for what I think is a really good premise. Are, are you a fan of the comic books, were they, or graphic novels? Yeah, I think it's a British. Uh, 
comic book series that's very like anti <laughs> i think it's supposed to be anti-fascist and like kind of anti the monarchy over there i believe and it's very i think it's kind of like a not a low budget what's the word kind of independent comic so very like lo-fi and then it's like, i think it's so funny about judge Dredd. they take judge dread and they make it this big big hollywood blockbuster with stallone based on this little indie comic book and i we'll get into a little more but i think they kind of miss the point of the comics yeah. from what i understand yeah. so yeah it's uh it's interesting for sure <laughs> I, the creator wasn't happy with it. There were several details that were completely ignored. Apparently, again, I haven't re read them, but apparently Judge Dredd never takes his helmet off. Right, yep. <laughs> and of course, like after this, the first couple of scenes, action arrest sequence, then the big reveal happens. The helmet comes off. And, oh, that's, that's Sylvester Stallone. I'm shocked. <laughs> it was the hero of that particular moment. I, I remember when this came out, I didn't see it in theaters. And I just, I, I, I would like a lot of probably 80s and 90s movie geeks would watch Siskel and Ebert every week. And they despised this movie. And I, I know it ended up on their worst movies of of the year show and so I thought oh well it must be pretty bad and maybe isn't isn't worth my time I think there's potential here uh, I haven't seen the remake Dread yet but I think there's potential here for a very good film but some of the stuff that you're talking about is you know kind of the point is lost it becomes more of a star vehicle for Stallone and yet it's populated by some really really good actors and then one actor I I'm fine with never seeing in anything again <laughs> um, you might be able to figure out <laughs> I, I can probably Probably guess, but uh. <laughs> Well, I guess. Again, okay, well, let's start there. Again, we'll, okay. we'll get into the positive in a moment. <laughs> I just, Rob Schneider seems like a photocopy of a photocopy of Adam Sandler. And I don't particularly care for Adam Sandler. So and maybe I don't have the right sense of humor or something, but I just, I found him so annoying throughout the film that I, I just, I could have been, I know the point they were trying to make with it, but the kind of this sidekick who was somebody that Stallone arrested and all I, I could have done without that character and I think it would have been better off because everybody else is there some of them are they're having to choke down some pretty bad dialogue here but I mean Armando Sante I love that guy he's he's the villain he's got a bit of um, an influence of a science fiction Hannibal Lecter thing kind of going on there playing this Rico guy Mm -hmm. um, Max von Sydow, one of the great actors of all time, playing this Judge Fargo. Diane Lane is wonderful. Like I, I'm always happy, even if it's something that's not great, seeing Diane Lane. She plays Judge Her Hershey, who's I guess kind of a, the love interest, but also is you know a very um, uh, ethical judge in this in this system. Joan Chen, wonderful actor, shows up as one of the villains. There were lots of really good people in here. I think the director had a different vision for Judge Dredd than Stallone did so I heard there was a lot of infighting and when it came to post-production the director wasn't allowed to be anywhere near it so aspects of it feel like a bit of a mess but it's I, I softened on it a bit I just kind of sat back and enjoyed the ride and so my I guess my uh, it's not great and I would warn people before I did a full-on recommendation of it but I think you, you could do worse for this type of an entertainment you should know what you're getting into with it and I think other than Rob Schneider's distracting performance uh, I I would might be able to give it a kind of a, a mild recommendation let's let's call it that so this would be kind of in the I hate to use it, like the two two and a half star range for me which is maybe generous but I, I liked it I mean you 
I think there's other stuff that could be done better with the production. It, it all looks like it was done on a set, and it's very, very bright and colorful. And I'm not sure. I, I think this this maybe should be a little bit more like a Blade Runner in some ways than it is kind of a, a bright cartoon. Anyway, what do you, you think of uh, Judge Dredd? <laughs> I've had a weird journey with Judge Dredd because uh, it came out in 95, so I was eight. So I didn't see it when it came out. It was rated R. And I was just reading, apparently, that it was supposed to be PG-13, and then it got so violent, they couldn't even cut it down to PG-13, so they were stuck with the R. <laughs> and it feels it is, it is feels like a movie at war with itself, tonally, script Everything feels like it's done by five different people, and no one was talking to each other. And it's like, is it supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be serious? Uh, is it supposed to be P 13 It's supposed to be R? We don't know. It's like, they couldn't make it with their minds. It feels like it, it just got away from everybody. So I saw that when I was pretty young, probably on like VHS, it came out and rented it because it looked cool, you know, and uh, based on a comic book. And I liked it. Then I went through a period of like, this movie's terrible. And now I'm kind of back around. This movie's just like silly, harmless fun because I'm so yeah. like detached from like, I don't care that it doesn't really go with the comic books. Honestly, that's like, it, it just kind of is what it is. Yeah. yeah, it's just kind of a big, fun, goofy movie. I mean, it's like, it is a, completely a mess. It's totally a mess. Like That's undeniable because there was so many things going on with the movie that, that no one had a handle on it, I think. There was some insane trivia for this on IMDb. I don't know if you read some of the stuff, like that the Coen brothers. Yeah, they were going to be doing it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Cannot imagine a Coen brothers Judge Dredd at all. Um, Joe Pesci was almost in the Rob Schneider role. Yeah. Um, Pesci, I think, would have had the right the right balance. Like he would do, he did this kind of thing in Lethal Weapon. Right, right. yeah, yeah. He was a comic relief, but I don't think he had completely interfered with the serious action situation that they were in. You know, yeah. I, I just, there's a world of difference, but probably by that point, Pesci had played so many of these types of, of roles that he was kind of getting sick of it. But <laughs> he was in Casino the same year, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> That I'm getting the casino script and I'm getting this script. I'm choosing casino. So. <laughs> and Scorsese, you know. Uh, yeah, that's insane. He's uh, he's good at doing, like, he can be very scary and serious and also really, really funny. It's amazing, Pesci, how he can go back and yeah. forth between like being really funny and, like, really intense. Rob Schneider feels so out of place in this movie. It's like he's beamed in for another planet and it's like he's just doing, like, an SNL sketch and no one else is, like, on his wavelength. Like, I feel like he's just doing his bit and um, it's it's just so weird. He does do a pretty funny Stallone impression at one point that I thought that did, like, <laughs> I, I, I think that was improvised if I have that straight that, that was I saw that trivia too yeah it was improvised yeah. and they even Stallone like, thought it was funny so he's like leave it in. <laughs> I get the sense like one of the differences Stallone wanted this to be an action comedy a little mm -hmm. bit more and I think he was really big on getting Rob Schneider into the film and I think I'm not sure he liked other people involved but I think he liked Rob but it's just everything I've, I've looked at and even some of the like the, the one little documentary it has a documentary I'm making of um, remarkably enough on the deep on the uh, blu-ray i have i could tell that you know those two had fun together but i i don't i don't know <laughs> I, I just don't i feel like you, you nailed it a moment ago when you said he's doing an snl sketch and i kind of when i liked rob schneider was when he was on saturday night live and remember he had the i don't know if you ever saw like the, the, the copy man yeah that's i thought it was funny you said he's a photocopy of santa because i was thinking his big thing was like making copies like it's just like <laughs> i laugh i enjoyed that but in what a, a, a three to five minute sketch <laughs> that works really well if you have to spend an hour and a half or god forbid two hours with him doing the same thing then it, it just it's never worked but i i don't know i know he has his defenders and there's people who love the like the deuce bigelow and the uh, all those movies i just and unfortunately i'm I, I wish i was having a better time with that stuff <laughs> 
than I did. <laughs> he but seems he, like a guy who's only good in like very small doses. Like he should never be a leading man to me. Like he should not be the star of your movie. <laughs> like he can help me do funny stuff. Like he does like a very memorable funny bit in the water boy when he's the guy, he's like, you can do it. You can do it all night long. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, yeah that was one of the um, catchphrases that came out of that. Uh, right. That. He's a good little like catchphrase guy, I feel like. And I'm, I don't know if you watch South Park ever. I'm always thinking of when I hear Rob Schneider, there was a whole bit they did where like the boys were on a plane somewhere and they keep seeing Rob Schneider movies and it's like Rob Schneider is a carrot. And it's like because <laughs> <laughs> there was a whole Rob Schneider's turning into a woman. Rob Schneider is an animal. It was like all these movies where he was like turning into something and it was like <laughs> Rob Schneider is a stapler. And it's just like every like he's just I don't know. Like I'm fine with Rob Schneider in like very small, quick doses, but like for him to come well, into a movie and dominate for I don't know how long, you know, it's too much. <laughs> And I mean, he uh, he's made a living at it, and good for him. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm not gonna fault him for that, but it, it's just not as much my taste, and particularly, and this isn't a goofy comedy, right? Uh, it, it, it it really doesn't work. Again, whereas there could be some other. There were so many examples of this in the '80s: the serious action, serious actor, or serious action star, with paired with a a comedian, and 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 it would work. You know, 48 Hours is a perfect example of Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy paired together, right? But it has to be that type of not just a comedian but a uh, comedian who can act i think and and that's the, the can act part i think is missing a little bit here but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i mean I'm, I'm glad to say that like to hear that you didn't you know have some sort of an awful time with it i always feel bad when my guests have to watch something and it's just uh, some sort of an ordeal for them but <laughs> Oh no. And I've seen this movie more times than I think I realized because I rewatched it and I was like, oh, I must have rented this like 15 times as a kid. And I saw it on TV a lot, I feel like, and uh, bits and pieces of it. So rewatching it was like pretty easy breezy, I guess. Like it's, and, it's, and you know what's nice? It's only like an hour and a half long, which I feel like this kind of movie now would be like two and a half hours. It's like, but you should, oh, I was going to say uh, that dread they did with, um, oh God, I'm blanking on his name. <laughs> well, they remade dread and or rebooted, I think is the, the better word. Very, very good. Apparently much truer to the comic. Never takes the helmet off which is a big deal carl urban that's what i was thinking of carl urban he's really good in dread that 2012 version it's really cool it's a very visually cool movie i think it nails the tone much better than uh this one does just a very straightforward action movie that kind of knows what it's doing and yeah that's a lot more fun and yeah the, stallone in this it's like it's funny talking about the behind the scenes stuff with him because i feel like there's a period from like maybe early to mid 80s to like mid to late 90s where i feel like every project you hear about with stallone he was butting heads with somebody you know it's like his ego was too big and he was like every movie he came on he was like trying to take it over or mm -hmm. fighting with someone <laughs> so that fits right in with this and uh, of course it's like Sloan he's got to take the helmet off because he's a huge star you know and got to yell a lot we got to talk about this insane scene with him and Amanda, Amanda Sante when they are <laughs> yelling at each other <laughs> And I think you know what I'm talking about. And it's like they're trying to over out act each other almost. They're like trying to play this like Shakespearean level acting and they're just screaming. And um <laughs> Right. Not, no, no, no. They're they're trying to reach a Shakespearean level. They don't have Shakespeare material. They no. uh, they are yelling, and Sante gets that great line where he's like, "Lol!" Like, <laughs> oh, like, oh my was, god, it's bananas. I, so I, I mean, he's a really good actor, but it was yeah, it was too much. And I don't know if they were just trying to overcompensate for the material and whatever situation was going on. And they're just like, "Let's go for it." You know, we'll just top each other and you know, <laughs> a, a verbal boxing mattress. I don't know, but it's. It's wild. Yeah. It's really yeah. insane. Uh, I, I kind of love it, though. It's like I, it was great because I rewatched that scene just on YouTube. And the first comment was like, there's enough ham in the sea to feed us a small country of this. Like, it's, it's a very hammy production. The whole movie is. is like very like hammy is a great word. Just yeah. sweaty, giant men yelling at each other is the whole thing. <laughs> 
but it, it, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's good though in a way that I mean they have they have female characters and I think they are still kind of types or archetypes in there but there is a bit of a sequence where uh, Diane Lane and and Joan Chen have this this fight during the building up to oh, the okay. climax of the film and I think most of the combat they were able to do themselves other than this one headbutt scene was done by by stand-ins but again if I'm reaching for something like they they both said in their interviews they were happy to be actually be part of the action not to be at the side as a girlfriend or or something like that but I don't know it's it's like you're you're seeing people who are just amazing actors and there's something that's a little bit off like Armando Sante from the beginning just this he's working really really hard to make something come of this and <laughs> Diane Lane is sounding a little bit more wooden in her line delivery than she normally would you know so I, I don't I don't know where the blame goes as you said there's probably too many cooks in the kitchen I don't know it may, like I've heard on, on sets like this like when there's a, a conflict then one actor goes to one person or the other and some might have been going to the director and some might have been going to Stallone because Stallone is, the director's replaceable but Stallone isn't. Right, exactly, yeah. (laughs) Stallone does direct and he does write a lot of his films and and so I could see that that control piece coming in there and so we're like okay well let's just get through this get the paycheck and uh, move on <laughs> I, th- I think you you were at the right age to appreciate this originally and watching it on VHS and having a good time and not having to like look at it too critically I was in like as I listening to your your podcast you talk about this stretch of time where you're like I'm I will only watch important movies right <laughs> I, think I was in that particular stage of life when this came out. I'm only oh, going to watch these serious British films or the Oscar contenders or whatever. And something like this is just, just not worth it. But it was a tough stretch for Stallone. I, I think at, at the time he was accumulating like a record number of Razzie nominations. Yeah. <laughs> Every year, the poor guy, no matter what he did, he ended up on a Razzie list, you know, even when it wasn't something that was that bad in my opinion. And I, I think this one, I, I, I get I get the criticisms of it. But. Oh, yeah. It's I, it's hard for me because I'm very, I guess I have a lot of nostalgia for it. I don't think, I don't know what play very well for somebody fresh in 2021 honestly like i've seen it so many times and i'm kind of watching it through this lens of like nostalgia and i'm very familiar with it so i i don't know if i could recommend it <laughs> but uh it's i don't know if you go into it thinking this is really goofy and silly and over the top maybe but then it tries to get serious sometimes too and that's a little weird it's i don't know it's it's a strange movie <laughs> it's just weird just be what it is and then it would yeah it would do better but yeah i, I think i i also if somebody's super committed to things looking realistic you know that's the the problem with those who refuse to go to 90s and 80s movies that looks fake that looks fake like they look at the terminator and have some problems with it too Uh, i think judge dread might be a tough set but once you again once you get a little bit older and you can just appreciate you know that particular time and what they were trying to do i think it can soften on some of these movies so i I, again 10 years ago if i was reviewing this i probably would have just been ripping it apart and it would have been all negative but here i'm i i wouldn't say that people will have an awful awful time but if you start off with your arms crossed it's not going to be a, a fun hour and a half with yes the- yeah <laughs> Pronounce you, man, a knife.
little psychotic gang of monsters. Today is pain back. Six pounds of pure plutonium is powerful enough to change the balance of the world. Imagine what five tons would do. You're gonna need more men if you expect to get out of here alive. I'm back. You can't let the contents of that safe fall into the wrong hands. What's the plan? Track them, find them, kill them. get to the expendables 2 back for war so barney ross played by sylvester stallone is approached by a cia man church bruce willis who wants him and his guns for hire to go to the former soviet union to retrieve something that was on a plane that crashed church doesn't tell him what he is getting and church sends a woman maggie with him to make sure he gets it they find the plane and get the thing but uh, some men take one of barney's people hostage and the leader tells him to give him what they got or he'll kill his hostage they give it to him but surprise, surprise, it kills a hostage anyway. Barney asks Maggie what was so important about the thing. She says that it showed the location of a Russian plutonium storage mine. Barney decides to track the man down and deal with him, mostly as an act of revenge. They track him down and discover that the man they seek is, now how do I pronounce this again, v- Villain, who is basically spelled like villain. John yep. <laughs> claude Van Damme, who I know is near and dear to your heart. And he leads a group known as the Sangs, and they have uh, taken all the men from the surrounding villages to work in this mine and obviously things are going to work out beautifully for those people who are going to the mine because you know he's such a kind kind person um <laughs> so the expendables is, is an interesting series i i, I kind of like that it exists stallone is a creative force behind it he takes 80s and 90s action movie stars whether they be known as as action movie heroes or villains and just puts these ensemble cast together and he did for these uh three movies uh the, the series itself i just recently watched the third one just to prepare for this in case we needed to to refer to the other the other chapters in it it's an interesting series in 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 my opinion i actually think this is the best of the three and sometimes the middle chapter in a series isn't as good i I actually think the first one is the weakest one and i don't know if it was because stallone was taking on too many jobs he wrote it he directed it he starred in it and and he's like dealing with all of these who's who actors it's a little bit of a stretch talking about this being a Schwarzenegger Stallone film Schwarzenegger is very much a, a small character uh, in this but he's he's a guy who uh, essentially kind of works for another team doing the same jobs I believe he's connected to the CIA and he, he'll come in for a few scenes uh, chomping on a cigar I, I think he was still the governor in the first movie and this was his first movie after no longer being the governor of California and this is where I, I mentioned at the top of the show that Stallone is the better actor between the two the scene and maybe 
I don't know, you can d- disagree with me on, on the next movie we're going to talk about after this, but the scenes when they're together, it, you know, it's again, it's I, I compare it to Heat with uh, Pacino and De Niro and the big build-up to them being in, a, in scenes together. Uh, while I prefer Schwarzenegger in his movies, ultimately, I, I think Stallone normally looks better in the two scene, in the scenes when they act together. In a similar way to the fact that I've been a little bit more of a Pacino guy over De Niro, but sometimes when the two of them are acting together, it seems to me that De Niro is a little bit better. But anyway, <laughs> lots of fun stuff in this movie. Chuck Norris comes out of retirement. <laughs> again, this is kind of Van Damme kind of, uh, picking up his career again and getting started. And uh, I guess the, the, the controversial one is Bruce Willis. Uh, he was involved with the first two, but he suddenly was not in the third one. And I think in the third one, to quote Schwarzenegger's character, he says something, he's out of the picture. <laughs> and there's a lot of subtext behind that. Mr. Willis has become very difficult to deal with. Anyway, so there's a lot of like interesting backstory stuff with this movie and just seeing one face after another. But as a movie, what do you think about Expendables 2? I really like Expendables 2. I'm kind of with you where it's it's actually by far my favorite of the three movies. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's much better than either of the other. And I, the other two, I don't even know which one I'd put ahead of the other one because one, they I don't think they kind of figured things out yet. Uh, that movie is kind of weirdly paced. Like the action's not super great. Salone was like killing himself on my first movie. He, You were right. He went, he had too many jobs. There's a yeah. great like behind the scenes documentary I watched a long time ago that's probably more interesting than the first Expendables movie <laughs> about the making of the Expendables movie um, yeah. where Salone is just like, like he's killing himself and he's not a young guy at this point, you know, yeah. and it's like he's, he broke his ribs in a fight with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin in the movie and he has to go take time off for that and has to come back and try to direct and he's like, he's just so stressed out, you can tell and like the movie's not great. I rewatched it. It was funny because actually this is the movie when you reached out to me and kind of gave me these options. This I had just watched this movie and I was like, oh, perfect. Expendables 2. And then all this other stuff. And I was like, okay, great. And I really like this one. I feel like it finds the balance. And then three, they do the thing where they make it PG-13 instead of R and they bring in all these new Sorry. action people who I don't like any of them <laughs> because no, they're all no. like, they're well, all junior like junior cast shows up is this and I, I think their theory was okay well if this works then this group of people is going to take us into expendables four and fortunately to my knowledge they're not doing that and that's probably a good thing because i i don't know other than uh ronda uh how do you pronounce her last name Ro- uh, rousey rousey yeah. rousey yeah other than her the others are just kind of uh non-starters for me <laughs> they're these like very generic like pretty boy guys who i don't think were even like action guys i and they all have like names i can't remember that all sound like fake no. names <laughs> like yeah. uh it's just not great it is, they're all like bland personalities and it really made me realize wow we really have like no modern major action stars because they the younger guys like there's no younger like guy who's an action star it's because they couldn't find any <laughs> so marvel uh, they're all in dc or marvel and right really you know, I, I, the older yeah. guys the liam neeson's denzel washington's that have been keeping this this going uh, like keanu reeves now because of john wick is is in that mix and uh, he's slightly younger than i mean I, again thinking of of folks who've been keeping this going for a while like, you know harrison ford shows up in the third one and kind of replacing bruce willis like he's done <laughs> way 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 beyond the time he should be doing action movies keeps doing them and I, I mean I don't know there's gonna be another Indiana Jones apparently I oh. don't know <laughs> I don't want that at all honestly it's like I thought he was too old in the last one you know. yeah, like 10 years ago I thought he was too old to play Indiana Jones and then they're gonna do 10 years later and I'm like yeah. oh my god he's gonna be in a wheelchair it's- it's, well, unless he's gonna be like kind of the Sean Connery role or something And I, but I, I don't know what you know he's Indiana Jones nobody else can be Indiana Jones but anyway but that was a good role 
both for him in some ways for in the third one. And I think, you know, having going from Eric Roberts as the villain, main villain, to mm-hmm. John claude Van Damme, I think is a step up. And then and the third one, I, again, another kind of reason why I maybe would choose the third over the first is I, I like the idea of having Mel Gibson jump in there and be a villain. And there's a lot of there's a lot of inside baseball, I think, in in these movies. One of the things that I don't think works well with the Expendables too is they're constantly throwing in these one-liners related to their various film franchises. I mean, uh, Schwarzenegger in particular. What did what was that line he had? Wasn't there kind of a well? There's a Bruce Willis Yippie Kaye uh, Die Hard reference. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I think he says I'll be back or something. And when they're when they're in their battling Jean Claude Van Damme's army at the end when they all team together so i think if you do that maybe once then yeah that's kind of kind of cute and like oh brings us back to you know but it happened over and over and over again where some of the they were just kind of spouting these lines out which had no purpose in that particular moment so mm-hmm. i don't know if that bothered you as much as it bothered me shockingly no and i know a lot of people who don't like that stuff they don't like the chuck norris stuff where he comes in and makes no, like a chuck norris that. joke oh, okay yeah, okay no that was one of I, I i smiled and i laughed that was brilliant <laughs> <laughs> Chuck Norris's wife actually was the one who recommended that that Chuck Norris joke. Oh, <laughs> she looked at all of them and said, "Like, yeah, let's uh, let's go with that one." No, everything that Chuck Norris when he showed up and everything he did in there, I was just I I, I was all in on that. That's the only thing with again with the series as a whole. If I'm reviewing the whole series, which I'm not, I guess, but is we have some people that show up and then disappear and there's no real reason like they spend a lot of time on why some other people aren't there people like mickey rourke is in the first movie but then disappears and in this one we had yunan who's that the female action star who joins oh okay yeah yeah and suddenly isn't part of the expendables in the third one and i'm not quite sure why you know i, I think it would have been cool to see chuck norris again in the third one but that's okay i mean they only have so much screen time and i, I don't know what kind of a budget they have for for these movies to be asking all these people to be in them, so. I was gonna say I I always like I think I go to these or I went to these knowing like exactly what I was kind of expect or got what I expected I guess is the way to put it like and I kind of know in the back of my head like okay Jet Li leaves the movie pretty quickly he probably has other movies he's shooting it's like I think of all the behind the scenes stuff like people are committed to other projects they had them probably like a couple days like you know Chuck Norris is there for like a couple days on set Bruce Willis Schwarzenegger it's all kinds of stuff that runs in my head about why they kind of have to clumsily kind of say people aren't around or kind of get rid of them from the movie but but yeah and i went with a big group of friends i remember this like a bunch of uh my buddies and like we just had the best time watching this because it was kind of exactly what we all wanted i feel like it was just like a big action with all these big action stars that we really like and i feel like it was smart for stallone to not direct he gives over to simon west who's like a decent action director he did con air some other stuff i can't think of but yeah and like the action i feel like is so much better and so much better paced in this one that's a big pro and i feel like van damme is the villain you know a big van damme fan is like the best villain they ever had gibson's pretty good in the third one but Van Damme is like just owning the every scene that he's in. He's so good. And just lo- apparently I think they asked him to like be part of a team. And he said he'd rather be the villain, which I think is a smart move because you kind of get yeah. to stand out a little more on, on your own on that one. So yeah, I think he's great in this. I think he's having a great time. And uh, that really helps elevate too. They have a better villain than Eric Roberts. No offense Eric Roberts, but he's kind of a boring villain. <laughs> well, they're all the, the three villains in the three movies are all very different. Uh, knowing that you're a Van Damme fan and you had a, a, a great show, I would have recommend people check out your Van Damme show ranking your favorite Van Damme films and yeah I I really enjoyed him in it I, I think you know he, he was very very nasty villain I mean it's very predictable that he's going to promise something 
and he's going to kill the Hemsworth uh, actor. Right. That, <laughs> that, all, that was set up. You know the guy's going to die like maybe 10 minutes or less in the movie because Stallone has taken such a liking to this kid. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's going to turn into a, a, a revenge movie because that's that's how it works, which, which is which is great. But yeah, I liked. I, I really like Van Damme. Here's, we're going to get spoiler territory. I don't always, uh, I always sometimes forget to mention this, but... Yeah, spoilers for some of these movies. So if you haven't seen it, uh, then maybe watch this, uh, watch it before you hear what I'm about to say. But when we get to the end, and Stallone goes alone into that room and is supposed to be going toe to toe with Jean Claude Van Damme, do you have a problem with the fact that, other than you know that you're watching the movies The Expendables, <laughs> that door opens and somehow <laughs> Stallone has walked out as the as the character who survived that particular battle because <laughs> he looks so ridiculously overmatched in that that I'm like there's no way that Van Damme would lose just alone <laughs> in combat you know? well yeah that's a real suspension of disbelief moment uh but <laughs> you know I know what the movie yeah. is and he's the the hero he has to yeah. win like you're not um, gonna kill off the head of the team in the second right chapter. right so, I feel like Van Damme gets some <laughs> gets a pretty good fight in it's not like he gets dominated but uh like I I'm, I was excited to see them battle it's it, mm-hmm. it's an exciting moment but I'd like to see some like some piece of machinery falls on Van Damme's head or there's some acting <laughs> that causes the death of the film was supposed to fully <laughs> Stallone was actually able to kill him. With he slips on a banana peel and falls down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, mean, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the night I watched this again, I, I was, you know, long day at work and my brain was not, you know, looking for something terribly deep and I, I put it on and it was about perfect for that. I mean, it's great opening, spectacular mm-hmm. action setups. And I think all three, that's a real credit that they, the ideas they come up with and the screenwriting and Stallone has been a, a co-writer on, on all of these really inventive stuff. And again, nice throwback to 1980s and 90s action movies movies a bit more of practical effects i'm sure that they use some cgi in there but it's it, it's actually a pretty good series and i i don't know if it's gotten a ton of respect as you know other than just kind of an entertainment i had a lot of fun with it and so i i don't know i, I think it knows what it is and mm-hmm. when we're looking at judge dread judge dread couldn't quite pinpoint what it is and that just gives it a few more points on judge dread i also think it's just a more entertaining movie i, I agree with everything you said yeah that's i mean it's basically how i feel like i felt like they really struck the right chord with Expendables 2. They learned lessons from the first one and they fixed a lot of things and and I, I kind of watched it like you did. I think I had like a kind of a stressful day and I just put Expendables 2 on and turned my brain off and that's how I enjoy those movies. Like, so all the stuff about them referencing their franchise just doesn't really bother me. You know, it's ridiculous to be like, you know, I think there's a thing with Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis where they're kind of doing each other's lines and it's like, that's my line. It's really stupid when you think of it, but it's like, you know what? I don't care. It's like a warm blanket. It's like, it's like it's stupid nostalgia. Like, I'm here for it. I'm kind of corny. I, I like, I, I like corny stuff like that sometimes yeah. so i'm uh i'm on board yeah and it didn't bother me too much it's just something that i i noted that okay they they did this four or five times and i think right. it, it's, it's <laughs> like if in, in comedies where they try to milk a joke and then pretty soon like it, the original joke isn't funny anymore because they've just pushed it a little bit too far and i think that's, that's kind of what happened there but stressful day by the end of the the time the movie was done i was you know feeling good i had had a nice time watching a movie and it wasn't something where i had to think 
hard about what what I had seen. I, I would say I like all three in the series, but I, I think we're you know we're pretty similar in in the order here. But I, I'm, I'm happy that sometimes when you pick start off, I haven't reviewed the other ones on the show yet. Start off with the second one. It's not always uh, a positive review, but for for a number two in any series, I think the Expendables two is uh, is pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I will say one thing. I think Dolph Lundgren is like genuinely funny in this movie. If people are mad at the corny lines, I feel like Dolph Lundgren is some of the funniest, like genuinely funny because he has all these like he's just a yeah. weirdo. I feel like they just kind of make him out to be like a weird a weird guy, and it just makes me laugh. <laughs> There's so many actors to talk about. I didn't talk about Lundgren. I don't know. I'm a little bit mixed on him. Jason Statham really impresses me in this series. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, this wasn't Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Wasn't that his kind of his first? He started to get all those action roles after that. Um, I believe so. I didn't really see him in anything till around like 2000-ish, like Ghost Ghost from Mars and yeah. uh, the one with Jet Li. So yeah, he was in. Oh yeah, Lock, Stock, uh, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Then Snatch, yeah. and then he kind of comes over with like the one and Ghost from Mars and Transporter was like his big solo action movie. So and it was funny. Like I watched those Guy Ritchie movies first, and then suddenly he became this action star. And I, I'm not sure if I completely appreciated him as an action star. I liked him in the Guy Ritchie movies, but watching this, I'm like, he holds his own with Stallone, and I, I think that series really needs him. And particularly the first movie, he I, I think he carried a lot of weight mm-hmm. in the first movie and made the, that movie probably better than it you know it actually is. So yeah. I just want to some nice things there, which remind me when you for some reason when you mentioned Dolph Lundgren, Dolph Lundgren, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I guess I've never thought of him as being a comedic action actor, but he that seems to be his role on this team. He's kind of uh has, has the odd line here there. He looks tough, but he's kind of goofy, and but I, I don't know, I, like I, I don't know how you balance all of these moving parts together. And Stallone, obviously, that I mean, is is very good at it. That's another credit to this particular stretch of of his career of the last decade or so, where he's came back in, he got another oscar nomination for creed in the mix as people remembered oh he can actually act i, I like most if not but not necessarily everything but i like most of what he's doing right now and he's maybe a little bit more settled in yeah. himself than he was during that 80s and 90s phase yeah well i think he got humbled pretty hard because he had so many like you said razzy nominations and, and things that didn't hit like stop my mom will shoot sir you know it's like all these bad bad i watched that recently and I, I i actually defend it i don't know I'm oh, okay. <laughs> in the world out of it but it's people were on him while he was doing these act or these comedies Oscar all, all these movies during that stretch and his action movies were not getting home he was like okay I'm gonna keep doing more Rocky movies more Rambo movies which he did and he's very good in those but it's you know I, I like to see him try some different stuff I don't mind if it's a bad Stallone film because they're they're still kind of fun I can get something out of them anything else you'd like to say about The Expendables too? no I just I really like it and I think I think it is by far the best of the three uh, so that's basically what I would kind of my main point from this one so yeah but I really it's a fun movie I enjoy it yeah me too it's a surprise that in these six that it's it is pretty good it's probably gonna get more points than I would have anticipated when I put this grouping of six together The mind of a man can find works differently than someone on the outside. He sees things in a different way. A successful breakout depends on three things. Knowing the layout, understanding the routine, and help from outside or in. You got a runner. Put your hands in the air now! Showtime. Ray Breslin is able to break out of any prison designed by man. We're testing a prototype facility to deal with people no government wants on their books. 
The people financing this need to know these facilities are escape-proof. Contact on site. The warden's name is Roger Marsh. When do we start? We just did. Welcome to your new home. I'm Warden Hobbs. Hobbs. Where's Warden Marsh? There is no Warden Marsh. Uh, fun fact, and you probably know this because you're a John Woo fan as well, but the original face-off was supposed to be Schwarzenegger and Stallone. I think I'd heard that. I kind of forgot that. But once you said it, I'm like, that does sound familiar. <laughs> they spent, I think, years and years trying to pair them together and looking at the trivia for a lot of the movies we're talking about. If Schwarzenegger hadn't been in a role, Stallone would have, or vice versa. Stallone was considered for The Terminator. They talked about Schwarzenegger playing Judge Dredd. They're connected together. Again, it, I, the parallel I keep going with is uh, De Niro and Pacino because they would often be up for the same roles for years and years. And here they get to star together. Like Schwarzenegger has a, a supporting role in the Expendables series, but it is uh, Stallone and Schwarzenegger. It is still Stallone that's the star of Escape Plan. And this is another one where I uh, such low expectations for it. And I think my uh, my critical brain was more awake that day. So I was write, writing lots of notes on it. I still, on the surface, I think this was a, a clever idea for a movie. And I, I do like prison escape movies too. And it's kind of having this quasi-futuristic, even though it's sort of set in contemporary times. Uh, Ray Breslin's a man who's devoted his life to making prisons inescapable by going into a prison as an inmate and trying to see if he can break out. And he's done a good job so far. A woman who's she works for the CIA approaches Ray and says that a new maximum security prison where the worst criminals are to be incarcerated is about to be launched. So she wants him to go and make sure no one can get out. He agrees. So they make the necessary preparations. But when Ray arrives at the prison, discovers that someone doesn't want him to get out. He then tries to find a way out, but he needs help. And he finds another prisoner, Rockmeyer, played by Schwarzenegger, and he becomes friendly with him. And they decide to work together to get out. One of the things that would be a cool movie not to uh review a movie that that this is not would be a movie where Schwarzenegger and Stallone one was the protagonist and one was the antagonist they team up again together much like they do in any movie they appear in to defeat a, a separate character who's a villain but I, I someday I'd love to see a movie where one of them decides to be the villain and the other decides to be uh, the hero or a John Woo two sides of the same coin thing could have been could be good too so face off would have been an interesting I, again I don't know how their faces would swap and that'd be realistic but, <laughs> but people say the same same thing about Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan of face-offs. Yeah, so uh, let's start off with you. What, what, what do you think about uh, Escape Plan? Oh, boy. So Escape Plan is the, is the one. Not, uh, not great, I think. is the way it's the one I need your help with the most because I watched this movie for the first time like last year because I had the Blu-ray, so I bought it cheap somewhere. And uh, I was like, I'll watch this and did not really care for it. I thought, pro I think the problem with this movie is that expectations are so high for teaming up Schwarzenegger and Stallone. And to me, you get this very, like, to me, like middle of the road road boring like kind of movie that seems so i'm just keep this is the best you come up with these two guys is this movie it just seems so like mediocre to me and i so i watched again for this and like a week ago and i still feel like i have no memory of what it does not stick with me at all and it's so I think I'm more frustrated at the movie that could have been or a whole different movie the two of them I mean they and they kind of like it's not even like the real first like oh true pairing because they were in Expendables before this so it's, it's kind of already kind of you kind of lessen the impact 
of them being on screen together. And I just think the movie is so like generic and just kind of like blah. And it's like, it was a, like a chore to get through. It's not like it's that long a movie. It's like barely, I don't think it's even two hours, but oh my God, it just, it's not work for me at all because I think I, and it might be because I'm just, I want it to be so much better because it's the, these two guys that I love. And I'm just like, you guys should be in a better movie than this. So no. I am, I will say I am not a fan of escape plan. Like fair enough. I think maybe it's, it's tough what they're doing because most of the prison movies, which I like prison movies, but they move at a very leisurely pace, right? Escape from Alcatraz, the Shawshank Redemption, you know, a lot of those, but we're anticipating like a high intensity action movie with these two stars. And so that can be difficult. So I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think this is another one where it came to it late. So I knew it wasn't a big hit. So maybe that's why I had a better time with it because I was expecting it to be dreadful. I don't think it's dreadful. No pun for Judge Dread, by the way. <laughs> but it's, I, I also, and it starts off so strong too. I really like the opening of the film. Everything leading up to Salone being captured and being put in that prison is amazing. I, I thought with great setup here. So I'm like, well, I'm having a good time with this. Maybe this is, you know, been a movie that has been, we, we see it from time to time, just uh, misjudged. But you're right. It, it, there's a, a lot of stuff that could have been tightened up. Go through like what th- things I like here. Uh, I, I like the actors. The, they, they got some really good people to be in this movie. Amy Ryan's a wonderful actor and she's kind of works under Stallone's operation. Uh, 50 Cent is not as good, but he's... <laughs> He's good at being 50 Cent, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Vincent D'Onofrio, he's an interesting actor, and he's always kind of a little bit twitchy and a little bit off, and I don't know if that's the man himself or if it's the characters he plays, but the, the, the plot twist is not much of a plot twist when you like pay attention to the first few minutes and like, okay, so hmm, which of these actors is going to screw over Stallone? You know? um, <laughs> so that, that wasn't a surprise to me. I like that bar scanning idea there for the prison. Seeing the really awful dialogue, there's and again, if if I put it on mute, it's fine. But I did like <laughs> the fact that Schwarzenegger and Stallone got to fight each other in this. It wasn't the stakes weren't very high, but they got to fight each other. But I think you know, more of a, a climactic movie where it's good versus evil would be would be better. So it, it, it's early on; it doesn't feel quite as as good. I, there's always people I'm, I mentioned that I love, but I'm not sure if I love them in the movie. Sam Neill, great actor. Uh, of course, Jurassic Park would be his most famous credit. Australian actor Vinnie Jones. We mentioned. Locked stock into smoking barrels, you know, that like Guy Ritchie school. He he plays this guard, this evil guard. Pretty at spoilers, he dies, and it's pretty anticlimactic. I mean he what happens? He kind of falls down the stairs or something stupid. Like <laughs> yeah, I think I not very memorable if I remember right. Oh, uh, yeah, more, I guess that, that's that's maybe what I was looking for with the Van Damme thing because it's like this guy is not going. They're not going to be able to beat this guy up. You know, he's he, <laughs> he's tough. So we need some sort of an act of God, I guess. But at the same time, it's kind of laughable when something that simple gets him. How do you feel about uh, Jim Caviezel? <laughs> Uh, never really blown away by the guy. Never even, I've not seen Passion of the Christ, which I'm sure he's probably most famous for. I, I try not to let people's like personal stuff influence how I think of their acting, but some stuff just came out about him recently that really made me not like him. <laughs> like some stuff he was doing, kind of just really some like bad misinformation he was putting out there. And I was like, really, Jim Caviezel? Um, like, yeah. Um, another kind of, uh, I, yeah, be- I, I didn't hear this. So what, what, what's he I, I believe I kind of, this is a couple weeks ago, and I think it was kind of like some real crazy anti-vax stuff 
like That's kind of about. Yeah. bringing in some, I don't know, he was saying a lot of crazy stuff. I can't remember, but I was like, Oh, well that, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, and like Cameron getting together and having, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know that about him. I just, you know, I, I didn't know much about him, but um, I've never, I really haven't seen him much. I don't think like he seems fine. I don't know. He's kind of, he's okay in this. The cast is really good in this. I mean, you look at the cast list just as you kind of take, you're like, Oh, this is an interesting cast they put together because Vincent Tonofrio and Sam Neill are two guys that always like to show up and stuff. Amy Ryan is good. Like you mentioned, Vinny Jones is usually pretty like he's always like a president. You recognize him, you know, he's a presence like he shows up. 50 Cent actually I think is kind of a decent actor, surprisingly. It feels like he like kind of commits to it. So I feel like he could almost be, except he's often playing villains, I suppose. He could have a career like uh, The Rock perhaps, but more on like playing villains, I think more than being heroes. I, I think he's, you know, he's a footballer that became uh, an actor and a star later on, but he's, you know, mostly as a character act- actor. I'm talking about Caviezel because, you know, and, and I've liked him in some of his earlier work. He, he showed up in The Thin Red Line, Terrence Malick's World War II film, which is uh, grows on me more and more every time I see it. I didn't think as much of it when I first saw it back in 1998. And he was in a movie I, I like, I'm not everybody likes it uh, frequency with Dennis Quaid about a, a father and son that are communicating with each other like between this time machine thing but it's kind of set in Mother Earth but it's got a bit of a science fiction idea to it but yeah, I didn't think much of this. Like he's supposed to be the big villain in the piece, and he's just really bland. Like, yeah, he just—I mean, it's. Like, I feel like nobody with all these good actors, no one really gets to stand out. Honestly, to me, I feel like nobody really gets to rise above like the middle of the roadness of the whole thing. And like, it, it might go back also to this director, Mikhail Hafstrom, who I'm like, this is the guy you get to direct Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Like this guy who really hasn't done much else. I mean, some Anthony Hopkins like horror movie called the right a movie called 1408 which i've never seen which i heard is good with sam jackson and uh john cusack so yeah, I heard I, I that movie actually that that was the one i looked up his imdb after watching this and seeing he's about 20 credits as a director i think it looks like he he's doing a lot of tv stuff a, a series yeah. of bloodline he was connected to but yeah d- derailed that was another uh Cly- i think a clive owen action oh movie. uh-huh i'd forgot about that completely <laughs> i forgot yeah. that movie existed yeah. i forgot it existed until i saw it I, I just looking at right now. I, I don't know. For some reason, they wanted a Scandinavian director for for this film, and you know, I, yeah. I mean, all those documentaries, but they're all promotional. Of course, they're going to say nice right. things to each other on camera. I, I don't know. I think he had a, did a good job as far as like the the vision of it. I think there's a too much CGI, like that shot of the prison, and they're in those open glass pods. Oh yeah, right. And that we're showing how big this prison is. Again, I thought that was a little bit you know unnecessary. I guess that was more kind of modern. Let's throw in some CGI just to wow people when it's not really actually that impressive to me anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I like that Schwarzenegger, he speaks German at one point in the film. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he rarely has, has done that. As an Austrian, he's, we're just used to him speaking in somewhat broken English all the time. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny to me, though, he just, again, toe-to-toe, like Stallone just seemed like a you know a three-dimensional character. And he's, I felt like he carried the movie more than, than Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger has, I guess, maybe his best scene is when they're in that solitary confinement cells and they have that light coming on that's really oh, mm-hmm. 
fully. I thought that was a kind of a neat idea, but that's the only time I saw a lot of energy from Schwarzenegger's performance. He goes into kind of Terminator mode, I guess, in near the end, and is pretty comfortable with the, like the shooting the guns and the one-liners and all of that. Mm-hmm. But overall, I, again, I think Stallone would, if I was to choose one of the actors who's better in the film, I would go some. I don't know what you think. Uh, I feel like yeah, Schwarzenegger is kind of doing like a true like supporting role. This is like the difference. I'm a supporting actor in this movie. He kind of comes into scenes and kind of just does a little part and kind of walks out. I feel like he does it like he, to me, he doesn't seem that super invested in the movie. Like I feel like he's doing a good job, but it doesn't seem like he, I don't know. No one seems like they are that invested. Stallone seems a little more invested because he's like the star. And then um, Schwarzenegger is the, you know, the, the supporting yeah, he, guy. I think Stallone had some, some connection to the production besides uh, he, he must have the other weird thing i think about this movie is to me it's like it's so unspectacular and i think it made a decent amount of money worldwide more than in the u.s but uh because these guys are huge stars outside the u.s still they're still huge hearts here but i think outside the u.s they're still even bigger stars so they have two direct-to-video sequels this alone i think has been in both and i'm like this spawned two direct-to-video sequels like what why <laughs> so uh, this is a franchise, I guess. <laughs> it's a franchise. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't. I have not seen those movies. Sequels, but yeah, I, I don't think yeah. I want to. <laughs> yeah, I think you know Curtis Jackson, Fifty Cent keeps going with the series, and they find other people to replace Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. Dave obviously. Batista shows up. Who I like. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I, I was going to mention that, but I it kind of <laughs> I'd forgotten sequels existed in the time since <laughs> I watched the, the movies special features so yeah so i feel like you're just kind of in in between here it's not as awful as it seemed like it could be but that's not a ringing endorsement but <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I had a good time and i think maybe that i like the idea of the premise enough to carry me through right to the end but I, yeah the middle part of the film like the second act is you know there's a bunch of obstacles and different uh things that they try and i i i don't I, yeah i wasn't i just wasn't as interested i like the setup and you know the the action scenes better be good in in these movies and and they are but yet there are some pardon the term stumbles there with trying to get rid of some of the villains that uh, don't 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 work as well but i i'm, I'm glad they exist but it would be really cool and that they're both getting a bit older now but to see another movie with them co-starring and something that's just a little bit different than this a little bit bigger you know it'd be great to get like a, an a-list action director to work with them I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what that movie would be i don't want to see like rocky versus terminator <laughs> like that but uh you know yeah uh, I- I think that's the other thing that, like, I have to give the movie a little bit of leeway because it's it's dealing with older Stallone and old Schwarzenegger. This is not, like, 80s, 90s Stallone Schwarzenegger, so they're older guys. You can't really do, like, a full-on, like, I feel like, fall the wall action. But, you know, Expendables 2 came out a year before this. So, uh, yep. But I feel like there's a lot, you know, it'd just be hard to do the two of them doing, uh, I think, a full-on action movie. But I just feel like this is not the vehicle that I want to see them both in. You know, it's like, this is not what I would pick. And I'm not a big prison movie guy. I'm with you, though. I think the, the opening intrigued me. The opening kind of gets me but then once it kind of drops alone in that other prison i feel like kind of slows to a crawl for me and then kind of doesn't really pick back up at all until like the near the very end of the movie and unfortunately that's the whole time that schwarzenegger's we don't see him in, until we get into the prison i'm not quite sure what that would be but yeah them getting older and i think that's the the point where i'm like okay they're 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 having to defeat vinnie jones and they're having in the other movie having to hand-to-hand combat with john claude van damme it's just it doesn't it doesn't work it's like <laughs> At one point, I think around the time that Gran Torino came out, Clint Eastwood was asked to do another Dirty Harry, and he said to them, are you out of your mind? Do you know how old I am? Like, <laughs> why would that happen? You know? 
but and he still did action movies and thrillers like pretty deep into his 60s and probably into his 70s but there is a point where it has to transition into something else and i guess that window of 80s and 90s it's kind of too bad it kind of at their their peak that there there wasn't some project that they could agree on i think those who again if you're a stone schwarzenegger fan seeing them together is still interesting enough Maybe I'll give you a mild pass, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't. Not. I don't I, outright hate the movie. I don't yes. think it's the worst thing ever. But I just think no. it's so kind of bland and so forgettable that it's like I almost wish it was like a like I almost wish it was like a horrifically bad movie. Like yeah. like you know, Judge Dredd's kind of a mess, but it's like it's, to me, it's like a memorable mess. You know, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, That's you're entertained. I was about to say <laughs> like they have just thrown uh, Rob Schneider to that prison and then comedy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they were missing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of roster would have fixed the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> In the city of New York, a crime is committed every eight seconds. But just across the river lies a quiet town called Garrison, New Jersey, where New York's finest return home. The hero cop, unwilling to trust the system, jumps from the George Washington Bridge. Today, he is laid to rest here in the cemetery at Garrison, New Jersey. So what brings you down Fair City? I heard it was a way of life out here. Thought I'd check it out for myself. Where are we, uh, like the Amish now? It's a place where the sheriff wears the badge, but the cops own the town. My jurisdiction ends at the George Washington Bridge. But half the men I watch live beyond that bridge, where no one's watching. I'm watching. In fact, you're the sheriff of Copland. He always dreamed of becoming one of them. I'd like you to meet Sheriff Freddie Heffler. Freddie's a hell of a guy. Well, you should call me. But now, he has uncovered something that could force him to choose between protecting his idols and upholding the law. Babbage isn't dead, you know it, and I know it. Do you have any idea how connected he is? It's over. The case is closed. You butt head with these friends of ours? You're gonna come at them head on? I offered you a chance to be a cop, and you blew it! Being right is not a bulletproof vest, Freddy! What are you gonna do, Sheriff? You gonna arrest the whole town? Everybody's watching you, Freddy. Sylvester Stallone, Harvey Keitel, Ray Liotta, and Robert De Niro. Copland. James Mangold is an interesting filmmaker. I mean, he has several impressive credits on as a writer and as a director and Walk the Line and 310 to Yuma. Yet he's actually yeah, recently Ford versus Ferrari he directed. And yet he's he doesn't really achieve, you know, sort of a David Fincher, Christopher Nolan type of uh, level. Like a, these guys who kind of start off working in less known, almost independent cinema or outside of the mainstream cinema in the 90s and move forward. And he's the director of Copland, which is, uh, I guess, of the six we're talking about, which of these doesn't belong in here. But I like to do that <laughs> with my list of six to throw in something that's, you know, a bit different. It's a full on dramatic role for uh, Sylvester Stallone. And it's essentially about this town in New Jersey, made up town, incidentally, called Garrison, New Jersey, which is populated all by New York City police officers. And uh, Stallone is the sheriff of this town. And, you know, he's kind of 
settled into his life. He's a little bit perhaps uh, lazy about things. He has his routine. He does his shift. Then he goes to the bar where all the New York cops are talking about the exciting stuff in their lives. And he's playing an old pinball machine. Pinball machine, I guess, was a, like a lethal weapon three. <laughs> and we we kind of learned a little bit about his story as we go along but he his town and him get kind of caught up in in this rather convoluted story where a young police officer has basically killed white police officer has killed a bunch of black kids in a car and then this all ends up on the george washington bridge and apparently this young cop jumped off the bridge and killed himself but it looks like that was maybe maybe didn't happen and all of these cops are kind of hiding him away in this town and that starts to uncover a, a lot of scandal within this organization which is headed by a cop played by uh, one Harvey Keitel and so besides Stallone and Stallone's you know uh, it's been based in New York for a lot of his films but more prominently for Philadelphia obviously with the Rocky films so he's a seven actor but we we have just an all-star cast of people who have been in Scorsese movies about half the cast of The Sopranos which is again one of my favorite if not my favorite dramatic show of all time show up kind of before they were well known and like in this who's who we have Kaitel as I mentioned Ray Liotta Robert De Niro Peter Berg who's a really good director but also has been in a lot of movies Janine Graflo I'm not sure what happened to her but Janine Graflo wonderful actor Robert Patrick who played the villain in Terminator 2 Michael Rappaport the wonderful Annabella Sciorri is in the film Noah Emmerich Kathy Moriarty like bringing back like we have some of the cast of Raging Bull John Spencer wonderful actor died several years years ago he was on the tv show the west wing frank vincent and it's it, it's a movie that like felt like oscar bait in some ways you know a chance for stallone to have a kind of a comeback after like a rough go of string of failures in the 90s and we have like the, the cast to go along with it and I, I don't know i have some sort of a warm spot in my heart for this film and i thought well maybe it will have I, I saw it in theaters opening weekend. I was really excited about it and I liked it and I just didn't understand why it didn't catch on. I thought, okay, it's been a long time since I watched it. So watching it for this show, I thought, well, I'm probably going to see more of its flaws. I did, but I think most of it is worth recommending and most of it is, is, is good. And I think Stallone is very good in this role and there's some horrifying moments and it has amazing, like a climax that's up there with taxi driver in some ways. The setup to me is a bit of the problem. So we have this, this scene where all of these police officers and paramedics and people are screaming and yelling at each other and really good actors are overacting. And it's it's just one one kind of ridiculous thing after another. Let's see, I, I think I wrote down like everything that happens in this, this setup sequence on the bridge. Okay, so there's a car shooting, which ends up in this accident and and, and these characters are killed followed by this really melodramatic crime scene that would probably be too much for like 1980s network television because it was so over the top, dealing with race issues. And then there's apparently a suicide, or is it really a suicide? And then there's an officer beating up a first responder in the middle of all of this. And there's a lot of screaming and dramatics and, and trying to piece this all together. It's a bit of a soap opera, but at its core is Stallone giving a, a more subtle, nuanced performance than I think he's sometimes allowed to, to do. This is closer to, to, I'd say, Creed than some of his other films. And you set up, like, De Niro's 
Always good. I really like Harvey Keitel as the villain, the kind of the main villain in this film. Ray Liotta has some wonderful scenes. Annabella Sciori, she almost steals the movie for me. Her scenes with Stallone are just amazing, especially when we get the backstory on Stallone's character has lost hearing in one of his ears. And when we find out how that happened, it is, uh, and how that relates to the characters and the, the present crime story that's happening, it's very effective. So there's all of these elements together, probably too many. It probably need a bit more focus, particularly in the writing. But I'm still enthusiastic enough about it that I, I really like Copland. So actually, yeah, when you sent me the list of movies. This was one I was most excited about because I've been meaning to watch Copland for a very long time. It's been on radar forever. Um, I remember even, I was pretty young when this came out, but I remember the big deal about like, oh, Stallone's doing a serious movie where he gained like a bunch of weight. You know, <laughs> it's like, watch, it's like, this is a serious turn. I remember it was like a big deal and I'd be wa- me to watch it forever and ever and ever. And I was like, oh, I finally have a reason to watch Copland. And uh, I thought it was great. I had never seen it before, so I I thought it was fantastic. I love, I kind of love Stallone playing like a real sad sack type of guy. Like he's so beaten down, I feel like in this movie. It's kind of like he, you know, he's this guy who like had these big dreams of being on the police force, but because of that hearing issue, he never could. So he's kind of like it's a small town sheriff, but he's surrounded by all these New York, big New York cops who live there. It's like their retreat from the city. It's funny too, because I related to Stallone because I'm actually deaf in my left ear. So I was like, oh, a fellow <laughs> deaf in one ear person. Great. <laughs> I heard that afterwards, you mentioned in one of your shows, it was after we talked about this, and, and then I was thinking, oh gosh, I wonder like how how, how you're going to react to the, the film as a result <laughs> of that. Yeah, I, I don't know the circumstances. I, you know, I, Did you have to jump in and save a woman from a car coming off? <laughs> no, nothing as cool or dramatic as that. Just born deaf in one ear, apparently, is what the doctors told me. So uh, nothing, nothing cool like Stallone. Although it was my nightmare when, I mean, kind of mild spoiler, at one point Stallone, someone shoots a gun right next to his good ear and that's i was that, like ah you know <laughs> that, that is so heartbreaking i mean that that's that's well directed well written well acted by stone but that is that that moment is so it's just like wow and then everything that happens after that it's just like yeah yeah go oh, still yeah yeah <laughs> it's such a cruel moment it's like so oh. so mean and uh it's funny because that one thing being someone who's been deaf their whole life in one ear kind of unrealistic because my own family and friends can't remember which ear i'm deaf in so i don't think a guy who barely knows Stallone would know the ear <laughs> i just thought it was funny because my mom would be like which year is it i'm like you're my mom you should know this so i'm thinking like it's funny that uh that uh ryan patrick is like he knows which year it is i'm like well most people i know can't remember which year i'm deaf in, so yeah. <laughs> I that was yeah, funny that, yeah that, that doesn't yeah i i have a friend similar thing and i have to always remember which side i'm supposed to sit on if yeah. we're you know, <laughs> or, or at a play or a movie or something so that i'm you know just, well, a, just a funny, like you're on the wrong wrong year go the other side or oh something. yeah that's my life you're on the wrong side i have to i just gravitate to people's like to their left side so they're on my good ear which is the right ear and uh yeah that was funny i was like oh rob patrick remember what year it was interesting okay uh it's just a funny little nitpick thing not a big yeah. deal but um yeah salone's so good in this he's so it's so different i feel like he's we talked about how big his ego was i feel like, especially through like mid 80s to mid 90s i feel like this is right after two years after dread and i feel like he kind of has to drop all the ego stuff in this movie because it's a guy who's like his life is not going well uh, he's a real like i said a sad sack he's like a very kind of just like kind of depressing character in a way but you still you really empathize for you feel bad for him because it's like he just kind of takes all this shit from people and it's like he tries to confront these guys sometimes they just kind of blow him off like oh don't worry about it man like freddie freddie don't worry about it and he's clearly getting kind of like they don't they don't even believe in him that much i think they kind of think he's like a simple guy and that you know he kind of gets like crapped on through the whole movie and then kind of the end it's almost like <laughs> cathartic what happens so 
yeah, it's, but yeah, the ending is pretty, I, Tax Driver is a good comparison, actually. It's just that very, I don't think it's like too over the top. It feels yeah. kind of like grounded violence where it's like, okay, this is how a shootout would go, you know, in this kind of situation. And yeah, it's, I, it is, you, it, they're trying to do a lot of things in this movie. I mean, the, there's a lot of ideas in the script. Like you mentioned, the bridge scene kind of is a good example of how much is going on. And I feel like that might have been like chaotic for the sake of like, oh, things are so chaotic. People could lose track of where Michael Rappaport was. And then you could pull off the whole thing of trying to pull off Michael Rappaport. But it is funny. I'm like, does Rod Patrick face no consequences for punching an EMT in the face? <laughs> like, That's what they're setting up is that these, these New York detectives can get away with anything. Basically, it's a, oh, the safe town in America because it's a cop town yet essentially it's no different than an organized crime ring that Kaitel is leading with people like Robert Patrick as his capos like even if this EMT complains that there would be ways to like screw this guy over because anybody who kind of goes against them we we see what happens if I think hard about the Michael Rappaport arc th- there are some things that and I think it is addressed that don't make a ton of sense they go to all of this trouble to fake his suicide. And then shortly after that, they just plan to kill him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like they go to all this all this trouble of creating this ridiculously dramatic scene and then okay well we need to, we need to get rid of him I, I don't know if the hope initially was that uh, Kaitello is going to be able to find some way to and, and how does this work this is this his is this his nephew or I think like it's his a, nephew because Kathy yeah. Moriarty is his aunt right so yeah, right. yeah. So, and, and maybe it was just to appease her that he did this but then he was going right. to go ahead and get rid of him anyway and, and it's it shows up that this is a pattern. This is something that they've done more than once. I mean, able right. to get away. And then Stallone's an interesting protagonist in this because he kind of sits there and does nothing. Like he, you watch him taking everything in and he, there's points where you see he, he wants to do something or he'll say something, but he just gets talked down and treated so badly that he just backs away after a while. Oh, it's not worth it. It's not worth it until things get really bad towards the end. And that's the thing that De Niro call, calls him on. De Niro, again, his character is mm-hmm. is trying to nail these cops because he suspects but doesn't have the evidence of what they're doing. So he's internal affairs. And then he comes and he he gives Stallone a chance to you know help with this. And Stallone hesitates and makes excuses. And then when Stallone sees the level of corruption here, then he goes into the city and talks to De, De Niro. And De Niro gets, gets mad at him and said well you had your chance but the case has been taken out of my hands so whatever you screwed up you know and but then it kind of leads in i heard one criticism of that scene where it's the sandwich scene where he goes in and he and he talks to de niro and that you know de niro just you know gives him a tongue lashing then then stallone kind of walks off and door shuts you know that guy's gonna help us solve this you know that there was a quick change in tone in that scene yeah. i don't know I, I bought it it makes sense he's he, he's playing a game like he's playing all of these so that he's like okay if this guy feels badly enough he's going to do something and then we can watch him and he'll gather the evidence for us now but yeah i but i, I liked it i liked all of de niro's scenes like he kind of as, as wild as everything was at the beginning when he comes in the movie starts to settle down a little bit i think and kind of find its its stride and the second and third acts i think are a lot better than in the first act, even though I'm so excited to see all these people in this movie. When it's funny, the image I have of Stallone's character in this movie is kind of like, you know, um, a cartoon 
hound dog or one of those dogs. (laughs) And yet, yeah, it's a completely different type of character for Stallone. And I was glad he was given this opportunity to do this. And I know he kind of said it didn't pan out the way that he thought. He thought it would be kind of his comeback. And that in some ways, because the movie didn't do well, it made his career even worse. I'm I'm not quite sure when it started to pick up again, but it wasn't Copland that did it. And I I think Copland's where I started to tune in more and like, okay, I'm going to, you know, keep going along with Stallone's career. I think he still has more in the tank. And he's had actually a lot more in the tank after <laughs> yeah yeah it's i'm looking at it now and it's it's kind of surprising like i know early kind of said it kind of feels like it could be oscar bait but i feel like it to me does not feel like oscar bait because it's not one of those fluffy like period pieces or a or a hollywood movie or historical ep- epic or something it's kind of feels kind of almost too tough for the oscars and it's weird they kind of dump this movie it looks like in august which is like notoriously kind of a bad month you know it's kind of a dumping ground month and that's kind of before oscar season starts like if you look at this cast is insane like it is stacked from top to bottom it weirdly kind of shows up in like two or three scenes as a female cop who's kind of connected to Harvey Keitel and like she she kind of rats she sees Stallone in in the city and knows he's meeting with De Niro and then lets Keitel know about that you know like she's a great actor she they just uh I guess it was a little bit before the Sopranos came out so she was just a a working New York actor trying to get from like TV and and small movie gigs so yeah it's if they maybe pushed this back a little bit farther and promoted it more maybe we got some more awards buzz because they got like no awards love at all didn't do well at the box office like it's crazy with this cast you look back like how did this happen it's supposed to open or have a, a significant screening at the con film festival that year but they had to do some reshoots so it wasn't ready for that oh, and uh-huh. we were planning an october release but something happened along the way and i don't know if again it was a, a miramax film if he who should not be named decided <laughs> that okay it's not gonna be strong enough so let's stick it in in august but yeah i think delaying it a year or something to might have yeah it might have taken off a little bit more i don't know yeah and it's it's weird because you look at this movie and maybe if someone doesn't know any better that you look at the cast and you would think this should be like a scorsese movie with de niro and Keitel and Liotta. I, I think it's a very good movie i think it could have gone to like some another level if you get someone like scorsese to direct the movie i think it might have taken it up a couple notches but angle's a good director a good writer his filmography is wild you look at his filmography and it's one of the most like variety like he's worked in like every genre the stretch from like you know from this even before it's like this girl interrupted it's like a, a drama and a yeah. mental hospital kate leopold a romantic comedy identity which is like a horror thriller walk the line yeah, yeah. music biography it's like it's great and then he does like a western does an action movie he does the wolverine movies uh and logan like it's great he's a crazy like yeah, great too. Yeah, i mean he, he I, I don't you mentioned the films and the films are great but we never think of the director uh, the writer director i think he was nominated for an oscar for the logan screenplay He's directed uh, some women to Academy Awards. Angelina Jolie won Best Supporting Actress, and Reese Witherspoon won her Oscar for Walk the Line. So I, I think he's a talented director, and I don't know why, what happened here. It, it feels like all everything was, all, all the cards were in the deck for this to be just an amazing film. And I like it a lot, and maybe that's why I, because it wasn't as successful, I champion it a little bit more. I, I'd love for more people to, to discover and check out Copland, because I think there's lots of people who miss it or maybe don't know it exists just yeah it, it just didn't do as well it, it's getting quite a few points for me in this this, this list of films and kind of uh, dare i say of the of the salon starring films it's it's 
probably my my favorite one so yeah quite agree with that it's it's definitely like the classiest drama i feel like that we've talked about it does stand out from the pack as like not really an action movie and kind of more of like this like high drama with this crazy cast i just can't get over this cast this movie how he got these people together for this so yeah no it's it's a great i'm glad i finally got to watch it too which was great so it's like they gathered every amazing actor from new new york and new jersey to be in there <laughs> that's what it feels like yeah the script oh, must have read so incredibly awesome. for these people <laughs> like, like i gotta be in this movie yeah no it's it's a it's a great movie i think it's really it's impressive i would recommend it to a lot of people i i, I hope folks check it out and those listening will will give copland a try rescue team not assassins now what do we got to do in a part of the world where there are no rules we pick up their trailer the chopper run them down grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there what do you mean we deep in the jungle where nothing that lives is safe you lose it here you're in a world of hurt showtime jet knock knock an elite rescue squad you're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> is being led by the ultimate warrior. We need the best. That's why you're here. But now... What's got Billy so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy mother of God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle just came alive and took him. We cannot see it. Blood, no bodies, we hit nothing. But it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. Whatever it is out there, it killed Hopper. And now it wants us. It kills for pleasure. Ah! He was skinned alive! It hunts for sport. He's killing us one at a time. We're all gonna die. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds, can kill it. Now for another low-key indie film called Predator. Uh, <laughs> back to the sci-fi action 1980s stuff from 1987. Directed by John McTiernan, who also directed Die Hard and several other movies, including, and, and I just wanted, I forgot to acknowledge it earlier, but you know, you're a fan of Last Action Hero. He directed that as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was, it was nice to hear, like, when it came out and got trampled, figuratively and literally, I suppose, by Jurassic Park. They came out i think within the same weekend or same two weeks that summer yeah it was a week or two after jurassic park last hero comes out and just it's still getting killed by jurassic park yeah but i i don't think it's a bad movie i mean i people were really negative about anyway well that's for another discussion yeah. another <laughs> yeah that's the relationship with schwarzenegger that came out of this movie led to that if you haven't seen predator or any of its uh, many sequels it's a team of special force ops led by a tough fair soldier Dutch Schaefer, who are ordered to assist a CIA man, Colonel Al Dillon, on a rescue mission for potential survivors of a helicopter that was downed over a remote South American jungle. Not long after they land, Dutch and his team discover that they have been sent in under false pretenses by the CIA. Surprise, surprise, huh? Uh, this deception turns out to be the least of their worries, though, when they find themselves being methodically hunted by something that is not of this world, which is the predator and one of the most famous creatures to come out of 
1980s cinema. The Terminator and Predator, these are the two biggest movies that we're talking about in the show as far as success. I haven't watched Predator as much as maybe I should have, but I enjoy it every time. You know, there's creativity in it. I think there are a few things that some of my criticisms of it are probably going to be more fair or unfair 2021 criticisms. I mean, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, the movie is a bit of a sausage fest, you know. It's, it's to the point where I, I, I am sure you're we're reading the same trivia stuff that I did. That Jesse, again, we had this movie that has two future governors, Jesse Ventura, the great villainous wrestler who became the governor of Minnesota before Schwarzenegger became the governor of California. He was really excited when they were doing some costume fitting that he had bigger arms than Schwarzenegger. And then he decided <laughs> to make a bet with Schwarzenegger, who has bigger arms, uh, for a, a bottle of champagne. And Schwarzenegger had the bigger arms schwarzenegger just oh. told the costume department to tell ventura that so that he would <laughs> into that trap I, I think they were having a lot of fun making it i think it, there's a lot of fun watching it but there are probably a few things that are a little bit problematic in the 21st century but we're perfectly fine for 1987 so i'm not sure we should judge it based on today i think we just enjoy the fact that it's a really cool action movie i say action movie first of all i think some of the later ones are a bit more science fiction in the uh, predator franchise but this one starts off as like a straight action movie in the jungle, but it just happens that there's this alien creature in there that is the real concern that they should have. What do you think of Predator? Oh man, I love Predator. <laughs> I think it is an amazing movie. I think it's one of the best like action movies ever. Uh, sci-fi action. It just either way, sci-fi or action, more together, hybrid. I think it's funny you mentioned like how much testosterone was on this set because <laughs> I, I think it's so much. I, I it's insane. I feel like it, Earl Weathers for crying out loud. I mean, oh my he, god, yeah. Well, Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> I mean, just from the scene where Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers like do like the the famous handshake where they put their arms together, and it's just like muscles. You know, it's just like it's like an insane, insanely macho movie. But I think McTiernan so smart because he makes that work for what where the movie's going because these guys are so macho, so tough, so big and intimidating, and then they do this kind of a typical action set piece in the village and there's one-liners you know like Schwarzenegger throws a knife and it's like stick around you know it's like this yes, very like yes. <laughs> you know so he does also have to build this up where these are the toughest guys on the planet they're not scared of anything they're total badasses and then he introduces the predator and it like messes these guys up and you're like Whoa, this thing could kill these guys like this no problem and then holy shit what are we dealing with here so yeah it's it's wild I, I think it's just a great movie the way that it's paced and the way it's set up where it goes I, I don't know it's hard I always say with this movie, kind of movies that are so famous and so talked about it's almost hard to find new things to say but it's yeah. uh, I just think it's I think it's a classic I think it's fantastic if modern audiences are like oh it's the 80s so it's going to be toned down in some ways with the, the violence or whatever I mean there are upside down people who have been skinned I mean it, it's grisly <laughs> stuff yeah. and on the whole the effects are very good I, I'm a fan I know it's been overused since then but that that predator vision that was that was kind of a neat effect for the time I don't know yeah. if people look at it now and say, oh, it's a little bit cheesy. I, but I, I don't care. I, I like it. It's that we're seeing that well before we ever see the creature. They have the patience. Now, I think if a, a new version of this came out, they would be so excited to show off the monster and probably in CGI form that 
you know, in the first scene we would see it. Right. We yeah. <laughs> a long time before we actually get to see creature, and it's spectacular. I mean, it. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful creation. It's just all kinds of like weird inside things. At one point, Carl Weathers calls Schwarzenegger expendable, and I was thinking, okay, well, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. we're we're, uh, we're reviewing an Expendables movie. I, I want to mention the music as well. That score. It's Alan Silvestri, who I is uh, been mentioned more than once on my show as as a composer. That's I mean, he does the Forrest Gump and Back to the Future stuff and all of those like Zemeckis movies and lots of great stuff. But this is a solid action movie 80s music score. It's exciting and it amps the energy up, but it's not too much. Sometimes action scores are all like boom, boom, boom. But this this has some some other qualities to it. I yeah, haven't this- focused on the music. Maybe it's because I was critiquing the movie for the show here. I haven't focused on the music in this movie before, but it, it's a really good score. It is. I agree. Yeah, it's a really good score. I also really liked uh, Bill Duke, another really solid actor. He plays Mac in this movie, and he he's given he's given a lot a lot more more to do. I mean, he feels like we're in one of those '80s movies where uh, like the black character is going to die right away or something, but that's not really the case. That's not quite what happens. What do you think about one filmmaker Shane Black and his his role in the film? Well, I like Shane Black's movies. Usually, you know, his the ones he writes, the couple ones he's directed. He does. He's kind of funny because he feels like the like the odd man out of this super macho group you know he's like the probably the least macho of them i guess and but he's like kind of the comic relief guy you know it's uh i don't know i don't i i, I like him there i think it's part of like a, a different little part of the crew than the rest of the guys <laughs> i mean he's as a i don't know if you just want to talk about him as an actor in this movie or just overall but i think he's really written some of my favorite action movies yeah. honestly so i think he's just and it's funny because he has these such strong shane black things in his movies like especially the ones he's written and directed it's always like la christmas time there's yeah. a precocious kid like it's like like two guys trying to solve a mystery you know it's like he has these very specific things that i that work like uh i'm a huge fan of the nice guys with ryan gosling and russell crowe and that's to me it's like my favorite movie his but it's so much all his stuff again it's like these mismatched pair of guys and a kid who then trying to la try to solve a a crime you know it's like so yeah he's he's a very talented guy and i just i don't know i don't remember there's a backstory of like how or why he's in the movie if he like wanted to be in it or they because he does seem kind of seem like almost like i said kind of like out of place but i don't know if you know more about that than i do but. and they really wanted to play up they had this idea that he's a nerd like right because he, he has wanted glasses. More authentic <laughs> goggles or glasses that the military would wear but yeah. they wanted to have kind of the those glasses which are back in style now but they were almost a little bit more like a 1950s nerdy characters yeah i, I think the like the only thing if the extreme politically correct folks watching this now it would be maybe in his character and and the jokes that he tells are very you know sexist and homophobic but i I, again i've quote my my buddy larry a lot on his show he you know deals with a lot of 80s cinema and he's just pretty much kind of said let's just the 80s were homophobic let's that's just that's just how you know one movie after another and you just kind of have to go okay that's what was happening if you're offended then you'll be fighting the movie and you won't have a good time and that's your right but if you kind of recognize the time and place then just take the movie for what it is but yeah he was the only character i think that in that way would would be problematic uh, i guess and maybe i'm not sure if they were coming up with this now i'm not sure it would be all male and then one token female in the cast i think it would be a little bit more of a, a mixed team of men and women and trying to like cover every single ethnicity and, and that kind of thing it might be a more of a politically correct type of a casting process but and I, i'm not sure that's a would 
would make it better, to be honest. I mean, yeah, that probably would be different nowadays. But did you see the the movie just called Predators that came out like 2010-ish, I want to say, with no, Adrian I, Brody? I, the new wave of Predator movies are a bit of a blind spot for me right now. I, I want to, I, I kind of want to revisit all of them and just kind of watch them all very closely together so that I can have a kind of a full analysis of the of the Predator Predator as a franchise as opposed to this Predator is the one that, again, I haven't watched it a ton, but I've watched it more than any of the other chapters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because we we're talking about Terminator earlier, and I feel like as much as I love, love Terminator 1 and 2, I feel like Terminator, and other people have said this too, they almost feel like it's a franchise that should not be a franchise because, because <laughs> once you get past the first two, then things get so convoluted and so complicated. You're dealing with time travel, you know, so it's like you had to keep like yeah. making up excuses for things and redoing things. and It gets way too complicated. But like Predator, I think, is a perfect franchise because you can just take yes. the Predator and drop him into any kind of scenario like they do in two where they just drop him into in LA so LA in the summer like even the Alien vs. Predator movies they drop the Predator into like he's in like Antarctica and like a temple and then he's in like the suburbs and uh in Predators they're kind of back on like a Predator hunting planet with um they beam in different people for, have different like violent backgrounds like guys that have like murdered people and military type guys from different parts of the world and so I don't know I mean like I said I think McTiernan kind of knows how, how insanely macho this whole thing is and yeah. like uses that to the benefit of the movie it's kind of like an aliens james cameron aliens because the guys are built up as this badass squad and they get messed up and it's shocking because they're so tough and they seem so well prepared and that really makes the threat feel so much scarier because it's just like if these guys are gonna get killed who's gonna stop this thing and i love how they take so long to really reveal the predator because it's it's scary for a while you're like what is this thing they don't show it it's really brilliant i feel like this movie is put together so well yes like in every aspect they like they really thought about it seems like on the on surface like a dumb macho action movie but i think it's so like well put together and well thought out and everything just happens to work every guy i think is like perfect in their part like yeah i just i mean i love like everything about this movie so <laughs> i have hardly I, no criticisms <laughs> this is another one where there's thousands of these you know testosterone filled action movies from the 80s but this one is better there's there's just more nuance and again more charisma the writing's good but i i really appreciate like I, it's like an alien movie you kind of know what's what's going on that people are gonna be knocked off one at a time i appreciate that the kills are really good in this movie mm-hmm. some of them are, are epic but what i like then is the film kind of quiets down in the third act when it becomes schwarzenegger versus the predator mm-hmm. and they're both stalking each other and and they're both so smart you know the schwarzenegger character may appear like to be all muscles and big and dumb but he's he's a brilliant soldier and he figures out the way to battle this thing one-on-one this insurmountable villain and all the steps that happen uh it's just a, a fascinating film by itself a film of just those two against each other more interesting than uh aliens versus predator even though i watch those and i will watch them again and again but watching schwarzenegger versus predator which is almost it's almost like a silent film yeah, the yeah. that that is so effective so well directed and so all the exciting stuff in the first two acts and it's a lot of fun and then it's but the stakes are high the violence is high it's not gratuitous it, it makes sense that this creature would do all of these things and the climax of, of the film's terrific i was really impressed with it it's again going to score high points i perhaps have more nostalgia for the terminator franchise but you're right i i, I feel that predator was set up 
more effectively as a franchise than Terminator. I almost feel like I'm apologizing for a lot of the sequels in the Terminator. <laughs> yeah. it's like I, I want Terminator 2 to come back again and say them to top it somehow or some way. And yet that's, they, they can't and they get themselves all twisted around with time travel. And the victim of that is mo- most prominently Sarah Connor. But in this, you know, this can be episodic. You know, the Predator yeah. shows up in here or there. You know, they, they could easily have 10 to 20 movies, like uh, the Friday the 13th type of a, a thing. But And and people are just are not going to question it. But yeah, this is the first one, and it's enjoyable. And this was the one where I had the note, like, why is it that Schwarzenegger's line delivery is so much more natural and so much better in 1987 when he still, like, his English was not fantastic at that time. But it's <laughs> it seems like in his later films, his, his line delivery is much more wooden and he sounds like he's trying to act versus actually playing a character and being natural again with the exception of this maggie movie that i mentioned earlier i I find that in his scenes in the expendables maybe less so in two than in one and three and i I, that's just a little bit of a mystery to me why he was so much better in this and i don't know if it's just the direction he got and he was able to do a few different takes or what but this is a really really good schwarzenegger vehicle and, and i enjoyed it and i enjoyed all of the almost all of the supporting characters but again for, for some reason bill duke was the standout for me i just loved his his scenes had a real energy to them and he didn't he didn't go easily he he fought hard but his death is spectacular i mean it's oh yeah yeah vicious, vicious, yeah, yeah. yeah um it's funny about sportsanger you mentioned about like later on it kind of seems like he kind of got wooden or i feel like in 87 he's probably still trying really hard you know it's like he still hasn't he's definitely a star but he has not i reached like super superstar level by the early 90s when like Terminator 2 is out so I think he's still trying really hard he has not become like any kind of a parody of himself yet I don't think like but past governor time I feel like he's just kind of playing Arnold Schwarzenegger like because he he was running for governor he was using his catchphrases and you know it was like I feel like he kind of became a little bit of a parody of himself and he's kind of just doing like maybe he just thinks people want him to just be Arnold Schwarzenegger in movies I don't know but like I think that might be part of it where it's like the later movies he's just probably just like I'm here I'm on a Schwarzenegger so I'm done you know what I mean (laughs) so I get the sense I mean I haven't watched the last stand have you seen that movie oh yeah it's actually i think it's really good i think it's underrated yeah. no. i guess since he was invested in that and invested in this maggie movie it's kind of these smaller mm-hmm. that maybe he's doing the other ones for a pay- paycheck or as a favor to stallone or his friends or whatever but it, that's, that's probably what you're talking about is that he's phoning it in uh, and he wasn't phoning it in at all in, in predator and I, I guess he was moving into or maybe even at that point he was or he was pretty darn close to being the number one movie star in the world anything else you like to say about predator what has not already been said <laughs> i mean yeah it's kind of tough like i said it's such a famous uh movie so well loved well well talked about now i do think it's great i think i've never thought about this before you made a good point though how the movie it kind of winds itself down it starts off in such like a, a big spot and it's big and full of action it kind of winds down slowly and so guys get picked off and it's just schwarzenegger versus the predator which is such a great sequence and like you said basically a silent film almost it's like so well directed and so well done but yeah i mean predator is just great i don't know what to say about it's it's fantastic yeah yeah. i mean if you haven't checked it out for some reason you i don't know if there are people that have hesitation that it's oh it's old because it's 1987 don't let that detract you i think this is one that i i don't have as many moments where i'm like oh that looks very 1980s as much as the terminator but i have a bit more nostalgia i suppose for the terminator which might show up in the points I think that that is fun, but it, it's, it, I have to stress again, it is so important that you work with the right people. And I think that we, as, 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 as Expendables, is so fortunate to have such great people like Dolph Lundgren, who 
comes from the martial arts background and has been a champion. So he brings that kind of craft to the, to the, to the screen. So there's no one that has to train him now how to throw punches and how to do the kicks and all those things. He's the real deal. The same is with Van Damme. But the same is when you see Randy. I mean, Randy has been the greatest fighter, the UFC fighter. And so when you see him in action, when you see him in action, him actually doing action and having those fights, it looks so wonderful. It's not something that had to be overly choreographed by a stunt coordinator or something like this. So this, I think, and, and Terry, you know, with his uh, football background and being such a great athlete. So this is what made it fun, is that each one had tremendous talents in their own field. And then to bring that inside did such a good job to utilize not only the personalities of those characters and their acting abilities, but also their physical talent and their background that they had. So this was really terrific to work with that. And for me also it was great because we have been trying to work on a film for, for many, many years and finally this whole thing has come about because it's a natural for us to work together. We have so many things in common. I mean, we love physical fitness and the muscles and the action movies. Big and watching. no one, Big ring. No Big one can understand each one of us. There's so many things we have in common. This is absolutely wild. And was, what no one knows is, by the way, and please turn off your uh, recordings and don't write it down. This is off the record. But when I came to America 44 years ago, Sly was my English teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so blame him for oh. everything. <laughs> Yo, hey. I'll be back. That's good. Gene, we should have a spelling bee someday. <laughs> We're really going to be amazing. Where did you guys meet? Do you remember? Uh, when was the first time you two met? Uh, I remember him at the Golden Globes. That's right. This we right. remember. And he, I said, who is this guy? He's just like as big as the whole table. Like, <laughs> kind of like ringing on my parade. And so Rocky wins Best Picture. And it's a Best Newcomer. And I'm like, gee, Jesus. And he keeps staring at me and getting bigger and bigger. And, like, <laughs> and then finally, he goes, Best Newcomer, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I said, come on, no one's going to. It's a joke, no one has a name like that. <laughs> Over, flashing the pan. And then, uh, of course, I went, congratulations, hope you fail. Like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need the competition. Then Rocky won for Best Picture after he won for Best Director. And I jumped up like an idiot. I'll never forget. There was a bowl of flowers, you remember? And I, took, I said, I have to do something to get something, reaction out of this guy. And I throw the flowers up near that, land on his shoulders, <laughs> and I was laughing all over the table, and he just went, oh my God. I could just see him saying like, am I gonna cross-pollinate this guy? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we met the first time was at that Golden Globes Award. Matt Bledsoe, thank you again so much for being on the show here, talking about Schwarzenegger and Stallone, and I certainly hope we can have you on again to talk about something else. I appreciate listening to your show and your knowledge of film. Thank you for doing this, and again, anytime you need to, a guest on your show, I'd be happy to, to return the favor, because you know, in fact, you didn't know me at all, and you agreed to do this. is just wonderful. I appreciate that so much. Uh, well, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, no, that was that was very kind of you. I, I'm just so flattered when anybody says they listen to my little podcast and they enjoy 
it because I really started on a whim and like I'm just a movie fan. Like I don't have any like you know I, I'm not I wasn't like a professor of film or I didn't I don't direct a movie or anything. You know I'm just some guy who likes movies. So no, I really appreciate it. And uh, this was so fun to talk about two stars that I love and some fun movies. And uh, you had a lot of other good ideas that you sent me uh, show ideas for your show. So I think we could definitely do this again. So yeah, I I don't know I've never I haven't counted how many I probably have enough shows for three lifetimes. <laughs> <laughs> Which goes to something you said in your show. You were talking about the number of movies you keep buying and stuff, and you're like, I, I, "Why don't I just stick with streaming?" But yeah, <laughs> I can't help it. It's my collecting thing is Blu-ray. I'm so. out of room for for all these, but that's why I had the idea of uh, you know I'm giving away these movies, but yeah, it's a chance to revisit them and talk to just an excuse to talk movies with people. So yeah. uh, it's a yeah, it's a very it's good a idea. I've told people the concept. I'm like, that is a good idea because it's like you also get to watch the movies because it's not as you buy a bunch of movies. You don't even get to watch them. You put them on the shelf and don't unwrap them or anything. I don't know about you. I do that. But and then to get to watch the movies, yeah, and talk about them, and then kind of also pare down your collection at least a little bit. So pretty, it's a good idea. I like it. <laughs> Except when you find gaps in the show and you're like, I really want to do this show, so then I go buy more movies to film. <laughs> oh wow, that's <laughs> I didn't think about that being an issue, but no, that's, that's funny though. So no, it's, yeah, it's, it's a good idea. I, there was a lot of stuff I want to talk about. I was really torn on a few things you sent me. There was a lot of action stuff, especially that I was like, Ooh, there's a lot of, I like the mixes you have. You have fun, like these like five or six movies episodes where I'm like, Oh, that's fun. That's a fun mix of movies. So yeah, yeah it's a lot of fun. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I like to have like, again, having a cop land in with the predator and Terminator <laughs> movies just to mix it up a bit. I've had, Comedy shows were all of a silent, you know, Charlie Chaplin movie in with something that's, you know, two years old just to see what happens. So looking at the points here, the Terminator, how many points would you give Terminator? So I gave I gave Terminator a hearty 20 points because I I think it's amazing and it, it has to stay in your collection. So I gave it 20 points for Terminator. Then we moved on to Judge Dredd. How many points did you give Judge Dredd? <laughs> Even though I kind of like Judge Dredd, I only gave it three points. That's a balance piece. If you give lots to one, then. Yeah, I know. Sure. I kind of realized that after the fact, I started giving big chunks. And I was like, oh, crap, I got to give some other. <laughs> so Judge Red's probably better than the three points I gave it, but I was kind of left with that. So. No, I understand. It, it's a tough balancing act. It's a cruel system. I came up with these points. <laughs> the Expendables 2, Back for War. Again, this is better than the points I gave it, but I gave it five points. <laughs> and escape plan escape plan got my leftover two points when i was done going through point two points for escape plan it's not zero so it's two points so it's that's true i should have i mean well zero seemed too harsh but i listen i'm gonna tell you right now escape plan is the one i want to leave the collection <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what happens here. We'll see what happens. <laughs> then Copland. Uh, I gave 10 to Copland. And finally, Predator. Another healthy 20 points for Predator, because I think they it deserved it. <laughs> okay, so for me, my, my points are different than yours. I, I tried to balance uh, the love out a little bit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. I, I don't I don't think you're we're gonna get into a fight over any of this, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I gave 15 points to the Terminator. Uh, I, uh, it was the most points I gave. It maybe has a couple things which aren't as as sharp as say say Predator or some of the dramatic gravitas of Copland, but I just really really appreciate it and I had such a great time this last time watching it. Judge Dredd was better than I thought, but still not fantastic. I gave it five points. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Then we go to Expendables two, and I, I gave it ten points. Uh, seems maybe it, it was very in between. I, I had a much better time with it than I expected. So. A bit in the middle for me so i gave it twice the points you did but i think we're maybe in similar places with with it mm-hmm. still 
<laughs> then escape plan nicer too i think i it's because i i like the premise and the potential of this movie maybe more than what the movie actually is i actually gave it seven points so that's okay. maybe where we're the farthest apart on things <laughs> in my excitement in talking to matt i forgot to mention that i gave copland 11 points and predator i gave uh 12 points too again just a little bit under the terminator so i guess if we were to say which of these two people won the battle of Schwarzenegger and Stallone I would say Schwarzenegger won but yeah it's, Stallone's is still a very good actor and a great presence I did a David Fincher early in the run of my shows I had David Fincher uh, versus Danny Boyle oh. and I realized at the end I didn't say who actually won but it was a Danny Boyle movie left my collection so I guess David Fincher won that <laughs> thought I better get that on the record that I, I suppose Schwarzenegger won so grand total of points uh, not surprisingly, The Terminator had the most points with 35, followed closely by Predator with 32. In third place is Copland with 21. Fourth is The Expendables 2, Back for War with 15 points. And then within one point of each other, Ooh. very close. But this place went to, much to your chagrin, Escape Plan with uh. none. And Judge Dredd got eight points. So Judge Dredd is the movie that actually has to leave my movie collection. Oh, this breaks my heart. I should have, if I knew how to play this game better, I should have given zero points to Escape Plan. <laughs> <laughs> One point. Oh, man. Well, next time, I guess. <laughs> oh, this is killing me. I think I ruined it. <laughs> Oh, I really, from the get-go, I was like, Escape Plan's got to go. It's got to leave. <laughs> oh, man. And this man. is a Blu-ray versus a DVD copy of uh, Escape Plan. Oh, well. <laughs> I got a speed plan from a garage sale or some, some I don't know what. <laughs> Judge Dredd was probably from some sort of a store closing, I guess. And <laughs> tough to find places to buy movies now. So Yeah, so what would you like me to do with uh, Judge Dredd? I assume you own, own it? Funny enough, I don't. I don't think I own Judge Dredd. Oh, do you have that one on DVD or Blu-ray? I, I, I get which. I have it on Blu-ray. Interesting. Uh, I don't have Judge Dredd. I was going to say, I feel like it deserves like a, <laughs> it was funny for Escape Plan, a whole thing playing out. I thought I was going to lose. I was like, just put it right in the garbage. Don't waste fire on it. Don't waste any kind of, any kind of energy on it. Just place it in there. <laughs> Judge Dredd, I want like a respectful, like put on like a little flaming Viking ship and push it down like a stream or something. <laughs> Don't, I don't know. I feel like it. Uh, I didn't plan for this. I didn't plan for Dread Dread to lose. Place it like on a, under someone's pillow that you uh, as a, a gift, a gift or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't want you to get. Maybe give it away to a friend. I think is there uh, or a store. Do you have stores you can sell Blu-rays to? Or I've been, I've been having some trouble. There, there's uh, the odd place where I, I, some people had the idea of uh, donating some movies to a library, but the libraries aren't still aren't taking anything with COVID protocols. Oh, okay. There's one place I could donate it to. But I could also give it away. I, I mean, if you don't own it, I could also, I'd be willing to ship it to you. And I did that with one guest as well, if you wanted it. But if you feel that you have <laughs> many as it is. And, no, I feel like that's too much work for everyone. And plus, I think if you were if you were in the U.S., I'd say ship it to me. But the Canada shipping to U.S., I think is probably brutal, even for like a movie. I'm not sure. <laughs> it wasn't too, too bad. One of my regular guests lives in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. And the result of the last one was that uh, he, he wanted to uh, save the, the movie and it it didn't cost too much. But yeah, <laughs> well, I, no, I, I, I to, to give this to somebody, put it under the pillow, and whenever <laughs> just uh, the Judge Dread Fairy. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah. It's for my podcast. I swear. <laughs> No, yeah, I would say no. I like Dread Shred, but I'm okay. Uh, and look, I, don't even, I appreciate you even offering to ship it to me. Yeah. But no, I think donating it somewhere, even if you hold on to it till the library takes off or to a store, I think just let someone else find Judge Dread on their own, and then hopefully they'll enjoy it. 
Yeah. Sounds good, and they'll, they'll find a nice place for it. So, well, this has been great. Thank you so much. And again, I want people to check out Film Feast. I'm going to keep listening to, I listen to podcasts on my way to work and from work every day. And I've, I've had yours on because I wanted to get caught up just so I, you know, each show you get to know your taste a little bit better. And I just wanted to know that a bit more. As That first impression I had with you guesting on Daniel's show, I, I thought... Yeah, I, I think we, we maybe have similar tastes. There would be some some differences along the way, I'm sure. But I'd love to have you on again. I know you're much in demand. I kind of envy the fact that there's this kind of this movie podcast network that I hear about that you have. And I've been, again, you're in Virginia, right? I am, yeah. But, and, and Daniel's in uh, Missouri, I think. And uh, But there's there's all of these other uh, shows out there that, that you guest on. So again, if there's another show that I sent to you that you'd be interested in. You can claim it and it'll be yours and I'll be happy to have you on. Again, whenever it works out and maybe we can we can find some topics so i can uh, have a shot on your show again i like that it's just uh, the way you've set yours up it's different things every show different themes or lists or one time you can talk about you'll know, talk about universal monsters and you'll talk about van damme movies i mean it's <laughs> cool yeah it uh i i like that it's uh very free flowing it's very like conversational there's not much structure to much of it i mean episodes might have like oh we're going to talk about these few movies i have been trying to push a show more toward one movie per episode just because it makes my life a lot easier because when I take on these uh, large projects they sound so fun when you start them and then you have to like watch all these movies for them and, and like do all 12, 12 hours of movies that you have to watch <laughs> for my show alone plus well, the, I, yeah. I see the that you're on this show and that show plus you're trying to do your own and you try to do it <laughs> once a week don't you? Yeah we do it once a week on Fridays yeah. I uh, sometimes I mix up the day, uh, put up different days but usually it's like Fridays and yeah I, I've been on a lot of shows it's funny because that like podcasting group just happens to be we were all kind of friends or through twitter and fans of this one podcast called f this movie basically yep. i think it's kind of how we all came together and we're all no one none of us are really close to each other it's like missouri nebraska utah we have one friend Lindsay who's in australia who does her show uh schlock and all which is great so we're all over the place but yeah it's just a very friendly group and yeah my show i couldn't i could never commit to like a thing because i my mind is too all over the place i want to talk about you said like universal monsters one week then action then some modern horror then you know just i like that i can keep it very like fresh and just whatever I want to talk about we can talk about so like the two other podcasts that are here one of them I'll mention I mention every every week is Rank and Review Larry Parsons show his show is genre based but mostly horror and mm. uh, another one I'm sure you've heard about out of my city terror table oh yeah uh, yeah yeah <laughs> and and they focus on horror exclusively. Mine, I, I because I I just have this really weird variety of movies. I can't commit to one genre. So I thought, well, I'll just just had shows on musicals, and we had the Oscars in in there. So now we're on to Schwarzenegger and Stallone, and I'm I'm not sure what the next one I think might be is <laughs> comedy. So uh, it's kind of fun that you know I don't have to sort of stick to to one one genre as much as I appreciate all of them. Uh, I can do whatever, and so yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I do really like this idea, and I feel like if anything. Maybe we should. I should bring you on Film Feast, and we do this with my movie collection because it needs a trimming. <laughs> I I, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, that same. It'd be kind of cool to be the guest in the reverse uh, shelf shedding type of show. So <laughs> yeah, that could be fun. I uh, no, we'll, we'll think of something. I just I, the problem with me is that like. I'm so big on like the ideas and the planning for my show that I get so far ahead of myself. It's almost like, it's like my eyes are bigger than my stomach. That expression, you know, it's like I get, <laughs> so I have shows planned out through like August. I'm just like, Oh, I may have over planned. <laughs> so, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's fun. It's a fun problem to have really. <laughs> so. It is. It's good. And I'm, I mean, I'm used to, sometimes I have guests and, and show ideas and waiting a year or more. Oh, there you go. Yeah. 
recorded. So um, I appreciate this. I, uh, okay, so I mentioned uh, rank and review. I also want to do a shout out for Kurt Fitzpatrick. Uh, that's a regular guest from New Jersey. He has a show called A Lifetime of Hallmark. Him and two other guys, they review in great detail either a Hallmark or a Lifetime movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> it is hilarious. Yeah, if you're looking for something completely different, then uh, that's a that's a good one to check into there. But again, I, 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 I'm, I'm happy to see that. And it looks like in, in the U.S. things are opening up a little bit more. We're still not quite there in a great part of Canada. My section is a bit ahead of uh, like the province of Ontario. Still struggling in a few places like that. We're still very much in COVID time. So I just want my listeners to keep taking care of each other, being safe, and most importantly, being kind to one another. And as always, uh, folks, please uh, keep supporting the movies. And we'll talk to you next time.